a later than usual episode 520 of the PlayStation Nation podcast. With you is a kind of sick Josh. Eh, <laughs> sort of kind of getting over it, I think. Yeah. He was hacking up along before we started recording, so we'll see how the day goes. Uh, and I'm Glenn. Uh, we're recording on Wednesday morning this week, uh, as we kind of warned everybody last week. Uh, but we still have a lot to talk about. Actually, it's kind of cool that we waited because we had a, a game announced right before we started. And uh, I don't know if it's a big, big deal, but uh, there is an interesting story with it. So we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, but this week, new releases. Uh, we have an interview for Star Blood Arena that's coming out for PlayStation VR. A uh, bunch of news items, what we're playing and watching, uh, what's going on around PS Nation, and uh, hopefully some emails. No reviews this week because I'm not ready for MLB yet because the servers keep going down, damn it. But how are you doing, Josh, besides being getting over sick? Meh. Yeah. 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 I've just been in total like trying to get an apartment and my car's in the, been in the shop for over a week and... Uh, it's just been crazy. So, but enough of that crap. Enough of that self-service. Let's do the housekeeping. Yes. <laughs> yes, let's. Yes, yes, let's do the housekeeping. 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 Go away. I come in anyway? No, go away. I come in anyway. Uh, so if you want to reach us, find us, whatever you want to do out on the internet, just go to psnation.com. That's all you got to do. Everything is there. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, you can do it there. If you want to subscribe to the, uh, the, the, the website feed, it's right there. If you want to contact us, it's all right there, right on the front page. Uh, hit that Contact Us button or send us an email to podcast at psnation.com or uh, leave us a voicemail on Skype at wdt-torgo or you can see our PSN IDs out there. And if you want to add us on the PSN all we ask is that you tell us that you're, you're coming from PS Nation somehow, some way. Don't leave a blank, or I'll delete you. Because I tried the Josh method of saying, like, oh, do I know you? And uh, and that failed miserably, so I'm not doing it again. I'm just not doing it. Uh, I tried, all right. and I didn't like it. It's kind of like spaghetti squash when I was a kid. My parents really wanted me to try because my grandmother made it. And it was awful, and I wouldn't eat it. And then my stepfather said, you're eating it or we're not leaving. And I literally sat at the kitchen table all night until we left. Because <laughs> I'm tenacious. Wow. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter. If you want to follow Josh, you can do so at Philip. Or wait, I'm sorry. PJF Josh. I was looking at the wrong thing. Uh, you can follow me at Targo PSN, or you can follow the main account at PS Nation. Uh, you can also find us on the Facebooks. Do a, a search for PlayStation Nation, or just go to Facebook.com slash PS Nation page. Uh, you can find our forums over at psnation.com. Just hit that forums button or go to psnation.com slash forums. Uh, you can <clears throat> find us in all the streaming services like TuneIn Radio, uh, Google Play Music, iTunes, Spotify. Or I, don't, I don't think we're on Spotify yet. I'm trying. But we're on a bunch of the other ones as well. Uh, and then last but not least, if you want to help us out financially, we don't have a Patreon. We're not going to be one of those podcasts that asks you to donate to our five Patreons. All we ask is that if you're going to do any shopping online, head over to our, our website, psnation.com. Look on the left side of the, of the front page there, and you'll see a thing that says Affiliate Store Links. And we've got links for all these different stores like Amazon and Best Buy and Walmart and Barnes and & Noble and, and the Microsoft Store and um, 
games stop and all kinds of crazy stores uh when you hit those links it doesn't change your pricing doesn't change your experience but anything you buy we get a little piece of the pie to help us pay for our costs like all of our web hosting our podcast hosting uh, our tech support any of the events that we get invited to you know we got to pay for food and that sort of thing uh e3 it really helps us pay for e3 because that's an expensive trip so that's all we ask you to do and uh, everybody that does that already, thank you so much, because it does help immensely. But that's it. Yeah. That's it for me. It's on to the new releases with Josh. Oh, those? Yeah. Okay. Well, the first one is Starblood Arena. Sweet. Hey, we'll be talking about that in a couple minutes. Yes, for PlayStation VR, it is getting a physical release. Um, Which is awesome. Well, we'll be talking about it in a couple minutes. Yeah. It's it's uh, like a big shooter. Yeah, uh, if 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 you want to compare to anything, think Descent <clears throat> from 1995. It came out on the PlayStation, uh, but it was a PC game for a long time. Uh, it's basically an arena shooter, but in an enclosed arena, and it's in th- full three dimensions. So it's not like you're in Rocket League where you're just driving on a plane uh, or like a flat surface. You're actually flying all over the place. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that is going to be thirty nine ninety nine. Yep. Then we have Stardew Valley Collector's Edition. Ooh. For twenty nine ninety nine, and even though it doesn't say it anywhere on Amazon, uh, the Collector's Edition has an actual physical copy of the game. Nice. A mini guidebook, a fold out map of Pelican Town, and a copy of the soundtrack. Really. Whether it's digital copy or what, I do not know. I may have to get that. Uh, I love when they come with a map. I'm such yeah, a sucker the, for that. That is, Well, that's our Maps on the Wall episode <laughs> from whenever that was. Uh, this is $29.99. Uh, then we have Ukulele for $39.99. Yeah, we, we have that for review. I haven't heard a thing about it yet. Um... But Jim Sterling was kind of hinting that there's some some issues with it, with the PC version. Hmm. So I'm a little worried because that game has been such a big deal. It's the folks that used to work on the uh, the, the um, Banjo-Kazooie, Banjo-Kazooie right? series. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And they're kind of trying to reinvent that genre. And, I mean, the Kickstarter went through the roof and... Uh, we've seen it at different events, and all of a sudden I saw some... He's like, well, or him and somebody else, they're like, well, there's an embargo, but they kind of hinted that there's a lot of frame rate issues. But it might oh. just be a PC thing, so who knows? Might be. Yeah. PC doesn't have boost mode. Yeah, boost mode. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could buy another $5,000 computer, but, you know... <laughs> Well, it's it's weird. It's it's a Unity game, and, and there's a lot of games that do really well in Unity, but sometimes there's a game that comes out and they have so many issues with Unity. And uh, I, I don't know if this is one of them, that they're just really uh, battling with that engine or what. I have no idea. Yeah. Well, it, you know, if there are issues, it could be patched, potentially. Oh, definitely, definitely. That's... These, these things happen. Uh, so this one is thirty nine ninety nine, and then on April twelfth, which is Wednesday, we have Hyperkin releasing uh, PlayStation Move 
gel shell motion controller silicone skin. Huh. It looks like they're two packs, and you can get either red, blue, black, or white. I used to like those silicone things for the Wii Motes. Well, that actually might be something I'll look into. They are nine ninety nine each uh, for a pair, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it shows a pair on the box, so I'm assuming. doesn't really say. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, oh no, well, it's obscured. <laughs> That's good. Great, great picture. <sighs> it's obscured by, like, you, the box is there, and then in front of the box are two of the... Mo- uh, the PlayStation Move controllers with the skins on. Yeah. They're obscuring where it actually says one pair. It says one PA. <laughs> so I'm assuming that's one pair. Could be one part. Could be. But yeah. That's great, great job of taking that <laughs> picture. <laughs> okay. And that's it. All right. That's all that's coming. Uh, so yesterday, I was able to uh, sit down a little bit with uh, Jay from White Moon Dr- White Moon Dream, uh, who are the developers of Starblood Arena, and we talked for a little while. Josh was too busy, so he wasn't able to to join us, but uh, had a great conversation. So check this out. All right, folks, uh, something that I am very very excited for. Uh, we first saw this game at PSX 2016 uh, when they showed the trailer, and then lo and behold, it was playable at PSX. Uh, so we wanted to get the folks uh, that make the game on the podcast because guess what? It comes out next week. So Starblood Arena is what we're going to talk about today. And this is Jay from uh, White Moon Dreams to talk a little bit about the game. So uh, I, I would have said his last name, but I didn't want to butcher <laughs> it. And when he says his last name, you'll hear why I didn't want to butcher it. <laughs> well, it's it's Kutara Palil. It's 15 letters long, lots of doubles. But when you kind of sound it all out, it's all there. Is the Batman symbol somewhere in there? What's that? Is the Batman symbol somewhere in that name? <laughs> you can probably hide it in there along with a few, uh, along with probably the rest of the Justice League. <laughs> I'll take a Q and another Q. All right. Uh, so, Starblood Arena, uh, this literally just came out of the blue at PSX. I don't think anybody had heard anything about that before the event. Um, it was really funny how that whole weekend transpired, though, because I saw it and I was like, holy crap. That looks a lot like Descent, which is a game that <laughs> I absolutely adored back in the PC days. I think it came out in like around 95. Yeah. 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 And yeah. I was talking to a couple of uh, you know the, the managers and, and, and kind of the, the guys behind the scenes at Sony about it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it looks so much like Descent. And they're like, well, yeah, one of the guys worked on Descent. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> so I uh, got to meet a couple of you guys, and I, I fanboyed out for like 20 minutes and got <laughs> to play the game at PSX and uh, really loved it. So all of a sudden I get a call, and they're like, hey, you know this is coming out next week. I was like, holy, but, but we got to talk to these guys. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about the game in general. Uh, like that elevator pitch, and uh, and you know what what you guys are trying to do with it. Oh my gosh, elevator pitch! Elevator pitch is probably something along the lines of like, what what would happen if you crossed Descent with Overwatch in VR? Ah. It's, it's about it's about something like that. Okay, uh, and it gave it a big meaty single player. So that's a that's kind of it's kind of the route we took. Um, okay, and. Uh, it it started out actually as a passion project. That, a lot of our projects at the studio start out that way. 
um, it started out as a passion project. And we uh, actually, um, there was a few people in 2014 telling me, we really need to do VR stuff. We really need to do VR, 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 VR. Yeah, and uh, and Rusty, who is our executive producer, he was uh, he was um, one of the folks who worked on Descent. He was the uh, the producer on the original Descent, and interfaced a lot with Parallax, the uh, the developer on it. There's a uh, name I haven't heard in a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, talented, talented groups, group of folks. They eventually became Volition, I think. Right, right. Yeah, um, but uh, a bunch of people were telling me that uh, that. We got to get into this VR thing. People, you know, they they were really into it themselves, and like they're saying, other people are getting really into it. And I was like, nah, it's a fad. It's a fad. It's it's uh, the new motion controls. It's the yeah. It's like the it's like the Wii mode. Look at the Virtual Boy. Yeah. How, how well did that do? Hey, I like my Virtual but, Boy. <laughs> well, <laughs> you are you are one of the few, my friend. I know. <laughs> but um, but I don't know. So many people were passionate about it. Um, I just said, all right, let's, 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 I mean, run with it. Let's see what happens. And they did. And, uh, and Sony was super receptive to it. They were, they were really into it. Um, they, uh, we talked with them (coughs) very early on, long before the PSVR came out and they were incredibly supportive, more supportive than I've ever seen like a hardware manufacturer or publisher actually be, um, which was really fantastic. They uh, explained their long vision for PSVR um, and uh, and how they really wanted to, you know, like be strong in the space, dominate the space if possible, right? Right, right. Uh, and we were like, okay, we've got something for you. And uh, and it was it was it was love at first sight. Once we got the the first prototype running, everybody was into it. It was it was really awesome. Nice. And yeah. one of the things that. A lot of people probably don't know, including myself, until I did some research. Mm-hmm. Uh, your studio's been around for a while, right? But this is your first <laughs> console game? Yeah, yeah. We've been around for 10 years. We've been around for 10 years uh, helping a lot of other people, helping a lot of developers do things that they wanted to do with their games or uh, advancing technology for, you know, things like PlayStation or Xbox or, you know, whatever. I mean, we've worked all over, all over the place. And then we also... We spent a lot of time helping China build its, uh, build out its, uh, a lot of its game infrastructure, a lot of its game industry. Um, mm. You know, working with different companies like Tencent and Shenda and lots of lots of Chinese developers. So we're we're actually based out of LA and out of Hong Kong. Um, ah. Yeah, yeah, we're around all over the place, and now we're just kind of all over the place with VR as well. Right. Yeah. So, but this is our first console. This is our first console game as a team. Uh, we've worked on console games, you know, uh, or console things over the last ten years, different little pieces of things. But this is the first time we've done like a whole game together as a team, uh, or whole console game together as a team. So, you know, you talked a little bit before. You kind of mentioned before uh, about like a deep single player and that's something that really interests me because what I saw obviously at PSX was a very small slice of the game and mm-hmm. it seemed very multiplayer based and when you watch the trailer obviously mm-hmm. four of the modes are multiplayer so what what really is that single player depth well the single player the single player is a lot of it's a lot of it ties back to multiplayer the depth is in the progression of um of your 
sort of your customization and everything like that. So the the idea is that you have a you have these pilots. The, your pilots have their own ships, and your ships have these mods. And you're constantly earning credits and unlocking mods and unlocking customizations. And as you go through the single player, which the single player is like playing different challenges that are based on the different game modes, uh, okay. progressing through and like, and then you know, winning something at the end of uh, at the end of a single player run. Uh, all the while, you're kind of building up your your arsenal of mods and customizations. So. Uh, then you take all that, you take that all into multiplayer, you know, and really that's where that's where you can really dominate. You can also earn some of these things through uh, through multiplayer, but uh, I mean, like single player is probably the best way to kind of get your to get your head around the game, get your head around the pilots, uh, earn things that you can't normally get through multiplayer stuff like that. Okay, and well, and I guess we should take a, a step back and kind of describe. Kind of what what the game is all about for those oh, who yeah. don't know what Descent is. It came out on the the original PlayStation, obviously, but uh, some people may not know of it. So, mm-hmm. my, in my mind, it's basically it's an arena shooter. I mean, back back then, it seemed a lot more like I was playing, uh, you know, an open arena style Doom game, but it was six degrees of of movement instead of just being mm-hmm. on a flat plane. Yeah, uh, I guess is is that an accurate description of how you guys feel about it, or, or am I missing something? No, I think you got it. I mean, we are a we are a six degrees of freedom VR arena uh, arena shooter. Okay. Um, yeah, that's and, that's the that's the long and short of it. <laughs> okay, and then you've got nine characters, and mm-hmm. it's nine ships as well, right? Right. Each character has their own ship. Okay, so you can't mix and match. It's it's basically right. when, you, when you choose a character, you get that ship. Uh, That's right. When you talk about unlockables, is it all mm-hmm. is it all customization, or are you unlocking additional weapons or additional uh, like shields or anything like that? You're unlocking modifiers to uh, to the different aspects of your ship, and you're unlocking like appearance customization. So we have uh, so on the on the mods part, we have uh, things that'll affect like your defensive capabilities and your offensive capabilities, and like what your mines can do, things like that. Okay. Um, there's there's a uh, there's several different slots for these different modifications, uh, and I think I can't remember how many there are per per pilot, but there's quite a few. And then on top of that, there's over a hundred. Uh, there's over a hundred custom uh, like custom objects that you can add to either your dashboard inside the ship or <laughs> to the front of the ship or uh, onto the wings or onto the tail or onto the head of the ship. You know, um, and then on top of that, you can also unlock more paints so that you can customize the the actual skin of your ship. Okay. So <laughs> there's the those are those are the types of things that you're actually uh, unlocking. So they're actually things that modify gameplay and modify the visuals of your ship. Now, if we can have things in the cockpit, can I get the dancing hula girl on my dashboard? <laughs> I think I think we do. Do we have a dancing school girl? Yeah. yeah, yeah, we have something like that. <laughs> All right, I'm buying this game. There's no. There's we made that just for you, Glenn. Nice. That's awesome. <laughs> well, no, if you were doing it just for me, you would have put a minecart in the game. But we'll explain that later. <laughs> um, so you, you talk about nine characters with shit with, with their own ships. Uh, all yep. the loadouts. How many arenas are in this? Because that's one one thing I didn't see in any of the the. the oh my gosh! Stuff I we found. don't talk about that, do we? No. Wow. Marketing fail. Oh. That's, our, that's our own fault. <laughs> um, 
But uh, there are there are twelve arenas. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we have uh, we we kind of break it down by environment types. We have these uh, we have these different biomes. We have three different biomes, uh, meaning that they each have like each biome has sort of a a theme, a visual theme sure. that's consistent across a number of maps. And then we uh, and then each biome has four maps, and the maps are very different. They look very different. They uh, they have different advantages and disadvantages. Uh, things like that. They were a blast to create. That well, especially being a, a six degrees of motion, it, it's got to be crazy because now you have to think completely in three dimensions. You know, <laughs> kind of like kind of like the, the the chess in Star Trek. You know, where you have to yeah. actually think. Oh yeah, as well. Yeah. Um. That's, so that, that it, was a. That, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say, is it, is it like basically there? There's there's like snow and, and lava and, and whatever. Or is that what you're talking about between the different biomes or what, what's the major themes between them? Uh, well, they're, they're actually a lot crazier. We have, uh, we have, uh, we have like the comet station biome uh-huh. and comet station was an old laboratory that was actually drawing, uh, drawing power from a dying star. And so all the spaces that you all the all the places that you play in inside of Comet Station, they're all aspects of this uh, giant laboratory. And actually, one of the one of the arenas, uh, I think it's actually a giant cannon because the lab was hooked up to a cannon that was supposed to shoot out. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, and so that's kind of like a little bit of the backstory there. And then we have the uh, we have uh, ship graveyard, which is literally just a graveyard for spacecraft. They just haul spacecraft there and just drop it, uh, and then just book out of there. Um, and uh, and then we have the uh, the catacombs, and the catacombs are uh, uh, there's a there was an ancient alien religion out in the middle of space that well they had set up all these cathedrals and things like that out in space, and they had abandoned them. The aliens had long died out, and they abandoned them, and they're uh, uh, and these guys are all fighting in there. The whole idea is that uh, this is a this is sort of an illegal underground blood sport. Okay, uh, and they found they found these you know derelict husks of you know former civilization, and they're and they're running the show in there, you know, competing competing with each other uh, in these you know in these illegal spaces. Okay. Uh, and then, is there any type of uh, like in-game currency that you earn, or is it just all the mm-hmm. unlockables? Yeah. So what you're doing is you're actually you're actually earning what's called blood bucks, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and the blood bucks are purely an in-game currency. We don't have this sort of model of like uh, microtransactions where you're buying that sort of thing or anything like that. It's it's all just earned in-game, uh, and and then you buy. You buy all the you buy all your different customizations and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So, so let's go over the modes. So you've got okay. uh, the burn circuit, which is the the single player kind of challenge mm-hmm. mode. Uh, and then there's carnage, which I kind of see as a deathmatch mode. Correct. That's right. That's right. Okay. And then team carnage, so team deathmatch. That's right. Uh, gridiron is that like mm-hmm. CTF? Uh, gridiron is like. Uh, maybe kind of like Rocket League a little bit, where I'm you're actually, that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. It's a, I mean, there's a ball and there are goals, right? And you're trying to capture the ball, trying to capture the ball and shoot it through the goal. So I guess it would be kind of like CTF, except 
you can toss the flag. Oh, I guess you could toss the flag in CTF as well. Yeah, in some modes yeah. you can. Yeah, or in some yeah. games. Yeah. 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 So that's so it's uh, that's 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 what the deal is. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then yeah. in- Invaders, which I kind of look it, to me, it looked like a co-op horde mode. That's right. That's oh, look right. At, look at me paying attention. Uh, you got it. You got it. Somebody's been someone's been reading the news. <laughs> Get the big brain on bread. <laughs> <laughs> so so we got the five modes. Uh, yeah. I mean, and then for for multiplayer, is it mm-hmm. five on five, four on four? Where's that? Well, at? so for for Carnage, we've got uh, you know it's eight player. A player okay. free for all, and for Team Carnage, it's four on four. Okay. Uh, for Gridiron, it's uh, it's four on four, and for Invaders, it's four against the world. Oh, so you can do up to four players. Okay, I thought yeah. it was just two uh, two players. Yeah, no, it's uh, you can you can do two if you want. It's a uh, but it's up to four player co op. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So it gets pretty crazy in there. It gets really crazy. Like once you start moving through the waves. <laughs> it gets really intense. Now, is it infinite waves, or does it actually have an ending, or do you not want to say? I actually have not been good enough to find out. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> I won't be either. I never play uh, wave-based modes like that, but maybe I'll give it a try. You know, like, uh, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm actually really terrible at the game, so I, like uh, in a previous interview, I think that's on Upload VR or something, I, uh, some of, you know, like, I said, I said, like you know, I'm really bad at the game. It took me, I, uh, but uh, it, like it, it took me like 50, 60 hours to finish single player, uh, and then I came back and one of my QA was like, "You are terrible." <laughs> <laughs> you know, fifty or sixty hours to finish single player. Uh, yeah, so so I I'm definitely uh, <laughs> I don't I think I get up to like the fourth or fifth wave and I start getting smoked. Those QA people are always so cocky. Oh my god, they they're, totally they're are. So judgmental all the time. <laughs> I tell you. They're they're so judgmental and then when you tell them to play play against the press, uh, they're uh you know, you tell them, "Okay guys, this is somebody who's never played the game before yeah. and uh they're from USA today or something like that, so be nice. They don't know how to play." And they're like, "Oh, they'll be fine." Then they shoot them up. <laughs> they're from USA today, so they've never played a game. Kidding. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, it's it's that that's always something that I, that I run into, especially when they do like early stuff for review. You know, you, you all of a sudden all the names that you see on the other team are QA this and QA that or Dev this and Dev that, and you're like, oh, I'm I'm toast. Yeah. These people have been playing this game for months. I got I get two hours to try to learn it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's how it is. That's how it is. <laughs> um, so, are we looking at you know hopefully some new content in the future? Is that the plan, or are you just going to let this get out there and bake and and kind of make up your decision after that? I don't think we can say anything about that just yet. Right. But I think the most important thing for us is to actually watch how. Uh, uh, watch how people get into the game and how they how they enjoy it and like how they hate it and uh, just draw as much feedback as we can, right? Like we're we're watching, we watch every outlet, every forum, we watch everything as closely as we can, um, so we can figure out what are the pain points for people, what can we make better. So as to whether we'll uh, release more more of this and that in the future we're not we're not 100 percent sure um but but we are sure that we're that we're planning to learn as much as we can from the initial group cool you know so so what do you think 
this is just an off-the-cuff question. What what do you think yeah. in your mind was your biggest challenge of building this game for VR? Oh, my God. <laughs> it was a lot of things. There was a lot of internal and external challenges. I mean, sure. our, our studio actually went from about 25 people to about 60 people. Wow. Uh, all working on this game. And then eventually it started to grow to more as we uh, started to take on other projects. So one of our biggest internal challenges was actually managing the growth over the last like two years uh, and uh, and not having a complete dissolution of the studio culture, which is very important to us. Um, so that was that was a challenge there. Then um, early on, our challenge, like when we started, the PSVR hardware was still was still a little bit. Uh, still a little bit early. Sure. Uh, so figuring out figuring out exactly how we're going to do six DOF without causing major discomfort in people is also was also um, a very a very tricky thing. <laughs> and as the hardware got better, uh, we started to get we started to we started to nail all those pieces that actually make a good comfortable experience without compromising gameplay. Yeah. Um, but that's been a that's been a challenge the entire time, right? Like, and I think that was, it was, <clears throat> at first it was just, you know, purely a technical challenge. And then after a while, it just became, it became us challenging ourselves to get, to make a much, you know, a more and more comfortable experience. And Sony provided us lots and lots of data on that. We were constantly doing nice. focus testing and getting feedback from that, from our producers and the different teams and uh, uh, different people within Sony. So there was there was a lot of work that was done there, and of course, like I said earlier, like part of the challenge is to like make the game is to make the game really comfortable to play without compromising any of the gameplay. So we don't have any of these sort of like Mickey Mouse camera modes or anything like that. I mean, it's 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 really like you get in there and you have no option but to control the ship with your thumbsticks and control your guns with your head. Right. Right. We don't we don't have any other in between mode. Um, so we had to make sure that everything that you saw, everything that you experienced actually led to a good, comfortable experience. So that was a big challenge. Then of course, you know, uh, like then frame rate, yeah. frame rate in any VR title is like King yeah. and, uh, and nailing that, uh, nailing that. And then other, um, other standards that Sony has, Sony, Sony and Nintendo and Microsoft, they all have these really high bars in terms of uh, player usability, uh, user experience, all those kinds of things. Um, those were, those were all, uh, those were all like huge learning processes for us. And fortunately, Sony was very patient as we kind of stumbled our way through a lot of this stuff. And uh, they, <laughs> they did a lot of, they did a lot of good guiding for us on how to how to handle uh, different everything from like. You know, somebody pulls the plug. Somebody pulls the network cable out of their uh, PS4 while the disc is spinning. What happens? Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. to yeah, to like, how do you handle? How do you handle like uh, these kinds of questions from press or all kinds <laughs> of stuff? They, they're they're really awesome. Yeah. Well, so. don't worry, we're not press. <laughs> no, we're all friends here. Uh, so it, it's funny that you mentioned that that comfort level because you know back when I was playing Descent, like. I, I had a pretty beefy PC at the time, what would be considered a beefy PC at that time. Yeah. And I had bought, like, a Microsoft Sidewinder Force Feedback joystick. Oh, yeah, those things were badass. It was oh amazing. 
Yeah. And, I mean, I, I still remember, you know, I would use the joystick to do my, to do actually my, you know, my roll and pitch and yaw. Yeah. And I would use the hat on the top to do all my strafing up, down, left, right. Oh, yeah. And it was funny because a few of my friends would come over and watch me play this game, and they would even get kind of motion sick just watching me play it on like a 17-inch monitor at the time. Yeah. And to now think that that's going to be in VR, and, and I, that, that's the, what was on the forefront of my thinking process when I went in to play it at PSX, because I was like, you know, th- there are some other games out there already that, that kind of have that kind of control, like Rigs or Eve, Eve Valkyrie mm-hmm. to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And I, I was really concerned, like, is this going to work for me? And, and, you know, especially with my old man expectations of how I used to play that game, which is what I was cl- most closely uh, associating it with. Yeah. And I was surprised. I, it, it was a little bit slower paced than what I oh. remember Descent to be, but I oh. think it needed to be because now you're fully immersed in this in this universe instead of just watching it on a flat screen or a slightly yes. curved screen back then. That's that's a that's exactly right. That's exactly right. I mean, you have to uh, you want the player to be able to experience everything, and at the same time, if you we we did uh, we did so much work with things like how fast does the ship turn? Yeah. How fast does the ship move into the turn? Right. So there's like a you have a curve, an acceleration curve, and a deceleration curve. Uh, in terms of turning, in terms of moving left to right, or you know, like strafing left to right, or back backwards forwards, things like that. Um, there's so so much of that stuff going on, and at the same time, in an eight player match, there's also so much going on around you. So yeah. if you're constantly, if you're if you're moving if you're if you're moving your ship really fast, you can't really take in. You can't really. You don't have time to turn your head and look at somebody that's shooting at you from like over your shoulder right so so we need to make sure that you know like with descent with descent at the time you're you can look at you can just look at the screen you can look at you know a small area in front of you but here you're literally having to turn your head to see oh my god that guy's shooting at me uh i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna lock my sights on him by tracking him with my with my vision for like a second uh, I need to I need to do all that while I'm flying my ship forward and trust that I'm not going to slam into a wall and get stuck there while somebody pegs me while I'm trying to peg someone else. Right, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it, I mean, it, it took me a couple of minutes to really get into that mindset when I was playing it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I, I really took to it, and, and you know, mm-hmm. I got done with it. And it was funny, like, the first thing that, that everybody was asking everyone when they would take the headset off, like, oh, did you feel sick at all? <laughs> and and I think that's a fair question, especially with with a game with this much uh, mm-hmm. freedom of movement and everything else. And and uh, I had no problems whatsoever. And and it really sucked me in. Which which I, I think the VR titles that that's one of the biggest risks that you that you have is I've I've had a few games that I've played on Oculus and even PSVR that it, it never really sucked me in that much. Even though you're <clears throat> you're in this virtual world and everything else. Uh, but I had no problem with your game at all, and this is how many months ago? Like three months ago. Yeah, so, I'm. I'm really glad to hear that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I'm. I'm just. I'm really seriously stoked to to get into this. I hope that uh, it does well enough that maybe you can even get you know a tournament structure built into it or a league structure because I could definitely see this becoming another game that that a, a league could form around pretty easily. Yeah, I mean, we we would love to see that happen, right? And we do have. We do have plans to support it if uh, if the players want to play it that way. Nice. Uh, yeah, I mean, this, it's it's definitely built for people to get together and uh, and have fun with, you know, or you know, 
hang out hang out on your own and and uh you know challenge uh just challenge the bots you know however you however you want to do it but like we would love to see multiplayer competition that would be pretty awesome is there any type of like squad structure or clan structure in the game at all like can, is there any way to add tags to certain people or, or is that something that might be in the future uh, it's it's something that we thought about, but it was kind of out of scope for what we were trying to accomplish um, with uh, with Starblood and its current incarnation. Okay. So, well, we I mean we do support the the PlayStation Party system. So if you've got if you've got like a group of your friends already, you can pull them into you can pull them into what we have is what we call a crew. Okay. And then your crew can go out together and play uh, play uh, like Gridiron together and stuff like that. That's awesome because that 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 is literally killed online games for for us in, in certain situations. So that, yeah, it's good to hear that you guys have that right away. Yeah, yeah, we we do support that. We also support we also do support private matches too. So if oh, you nice. just want to if you just want to match up with like some friends, some of your friends, and just play um, some Team Carnage or play Gridiron or Invaders together and not have to deal with all the ranked people that are trying to climb up the leaderboards, then uh, you can do that too. Nice. And do you have? You said you have ranked support. I mean, do you have any mm-hmm. unranked stuff as well, or is it just? Yeah, the all the private all the private matches are unranked. Oh, okay. So, so you can you can uh, you can jump in there and uh, you can jump in there like with your so like like for example in deathmatch uh, for in a ranked match you couldn't take your crew in. Right. You couldn't take like you know your six players, uh, six player crew or eight player crew or something into a ranked deathmatch because somebody could stack that right to to bump their to bump their ranking. Sure. But you can take that into a private match, right? And you can match against people um, with your with your crew. So that so private matches are our unranked mode. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then um, oh, I had another question. I just lost it. <laughs> you see, it's t- hiding around there somewhere. It's I'm, hiding around I'm, there. Somewhere. I'm kind of old, so <laughs> me too, man. No, no worries. We're in, we're in good company here. Things, things happen with the brain every now and then. Um, <laughs> no, that, that sounds really good, and and uh, it's it's great. That, oh, uh, that was the thing. The matchmaking. So, is your matchmaking kind of based on rank? Is it going to try to keep people within the the same? I guess general mm-hmm. general ranks when when you're yes. in, or are you going to have like a rank yeah. one and a rank fifty in there? There is a nah. You couldn't do that. Somebody be somebody would be like uh, like messing messing with the charts a little too much. We do we do actually we do actually calculate the the players' rank and uh, and actually put them against folks that make the most sense for them. Okay, good, good. Yeah. So it's not going to be. A we want everyone to have a good time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so is 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 there anything that that's on your little sheet of paper that your marketing guy gave you that we haven't touched on yet? <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's, let's see. see. Buzzword. Buzzword. We haven't talked about. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot. There's actually a lot of stuff that we're talking about here hasn't actually even been hasn't been talked about. Like we haven't we haven't really talked about the private match stuff. Uh, we haven't talked about the crew stuff. You know, we haven't talked about that stuff. So sure. it's kind of like you heard it here first. Well, I mean, that that's <laughs> oh. just natural on this show. It's, that's <laughs> what we do. Is. I hope I'm not pissing off any marketing people, but I think eh, we should be Do we really care at this point? That's what I'm talking about, Glenn. See, that's we we like. got to hear about the game. We got to make we got to get people excited for it so that <laughs> I have people right. to play online with. Uh, <laughs> PlayStation 4 Pro, have you guys done anything specifically for support on that? 
We have. Uh, actually, the game is beautiful, beautiful on the PS Pro. Um, we did a we did a pretty major resolution update. Okay. So it is it is super super crisp. Uh, uh, I mean, in some ways, it looks like a different game. It's kind of hard to go from Pro to PS4. Um, I should probably not say that, but it's, <laughs> well, it's funny it's because really... the, what we were playing at PSX was on the the standard PS4 though, and I thought it looked fantastic. Oh well, if you like that, it looks ten times better. Oh, I should man. say actually, it looks it looks uh, six times better. Yeah, I think it's something <laughs> like that. <laughs> My math is rusty these days, but yeah, but uh, but it looks it looks pretty good. Nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, other than that, I mean, like the we kept we you know for a for a multiplayer game, you have to make sure that frame rate is exactly the same between the two. Right. Uh, uh, like all the features, all the features are are the same. So, but but on PS Pro, you can definitely tell that the game looks a little shinier and crisper and higher resolution, a little bit closer to the Pixar movie. Oh. Yeah. Wait, you guys have a Pixar movie for Starblood Arena? <laughs> Let me tell you, don't 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 even mention that oh, to the man, artist. You heard it here first, obviously. So bad. <laughs> <laughs> from the beginning of the project, like they, everyone fell in love with the characters from day one, and they're like, "Oh, we want to do cinematics. We want to do cinematics." It's like, guys, <laughs> we <laughs> don't have, have five million out in this millennium. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, nice. <laughs> well, uh, so launches April eleventh. April eleventh. That's right. What's what's it going to cost everyone? It's uh thirty nine ninety nine at least in the at least in the U.S. I don't I don't remember what they're pricing it everywhere else, but it should be equivalent. Okay, uh, yeah. is it digital only? You're going to have a physical release? No, it's actually got a physical release. We actually got the we actually got the proof discs this morning. It's they're really nice. Um, nice. Yeah, it's so cool to see. But uh, but yeah, it's it's coming out in stores. It'll be at like the Targets and the WalMarts and the Kmart's and the the Kmart's with the five left. Yeah. <laughs> well, gotta represent, yo. Gotta represent. Back in the day, when we used to be venture back in the Midwest. Man, I'm in, oh venture, yeah. Well, I, I'm from Kansas City originally, and they were huge in KC. Yeah, they were huge in Chi Town too. That's right. I remember driving by one all the time when we drive down. Wow, venture. <laughs> I haven't heard that store mentioned in years. <laughs> Just got to go to Kmart and get a uh, get an icy and. Oh yeah! Oh my god! <laughs> and like one of those like non one of those hot dogs that had pretend meat in it. <laughs> Wait, isn't that all hot dogs? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, except for Portillo's, right? Well, exactly. Well, I don't like Chicago dogs. <laughs> Sorry, I don't like all that crap on my hot dog. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it was it was dangerous when I worked uh, in Vernon Hills. We had a Portillo's within walking distance, so I was. Oh my god! And it had a Barnelli's in it. A what? A Barnelli's. The there's some Portillos that have uh, another place in it, and they do like all like fresh pasta and everything. And oh, oh, really? Oh, so good. <laughs> Will yeah. you get pasta on your hot dog? No, it's it's a, it's like a separate restaurant inside the place. Damn. Yeah, it's amazing. Like all the pasta's fresh cool. and oh, so good. <laughs> in Man, a Portillos. I'm, I'm really getting hungry now. Yeah, it's I it's, know. <laughs> it's like a I would say maybe a third or a fourth of the Portillos had those in them as well. That's crazy. Yeah. I missed out. I can't believe you never heard of that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't remember it. I don't remember it. That's that's it. I'm getting old, man. You're going to have to get back to Chicago, mister. I know. You're you're totally right. It's been a while. 
so seriously excited for this. Uh, thanks so much for spending the time with me tonight. Absolutely. I know, I know you guys My are kind pleasure. of in, in, you know, get it ready for day one mode. Yeah. So, yep, uh, yep. Appreciate the time, and, and I can't wait for this game to come out. I'm, I'm looking forward to playing it. Uh, we cannot for, wait to have you guys play it. Like, of course, <laughs> I'm, I'm moving to a new apartment in a couple weeks, so I'll have to box everything up, but I'll, oh, find, God. I'll find the time. That's all right. You'll have, it, you'll, have it, you'll have at least a week, right? So that's actually really funny. I hope the internet at the hotel I'm staying at for a couple of weeks has decent enough internet. So I'll, <laughs> I'll have my little game screen and my PS4 Pro in there, and I'll have the VR all set up, and the, and the maids can come in in the morning and go like, what, what the hell is all this? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be even better if you're just sitting there in your underwear. Uh, there's no TV on, right? That yeah. you just like just have the headset on. Yeah, it looks totally like uh, a really bad '80s movie when they, went, when they had, talked about the future. Yeah, it's like yeah. Johnny Mnemonic too. <laughs> in the local but at least, you, at least you will be you will be a part of the future at that very moment. <laughs> Aren't I always? <laughs> oh man, so. Uh, Good luck on getting on on the launch, guys. Seriously, uh, good luck on on everything moving forward with this game and, and what you guys have going on in the future. Um, and if you know if, if you ever have an announcement uh, or you know like uh, if you're going to do some new DLC and you want to tell somebody about it, let us know. We'll get uh-huh. you back on the podcast to talk about it. Absolutely, it, uh, we 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 love it here. We do. We we're, uh, we have several of us that are actually PS Nation fans. Stop. So. This is cool. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Now I'm blushing. Uh, all right. Well, uh, folks, get out there. April 11, 3999. Uh, check this game out. It is really fun, even with the brief amount of time I got to play it at PSX. Uh, and, you know, obviously ch- keep your eyes out on our YouTube channel for a lot more footage of this game when it comes out. We'll definitely be streaming some of it. Awesome. So the first news item, uh, you know, we mentioned a little bit about the teaser last week. We got the reveal trailer and release date for Destiny 2, finally. Uh, of course, no gameplay in the initial trailer. Uh, I actually really liked the trailer. I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, again, has Nathan Fillion and uh, some other characters. They showed off a couple of the new classes. Uh, they <laughs> comically explained why none of your stuff is going to come with you uh, to Destiny 2, which I thought was brilliantly handled. Uh, and the release date, where is it? Somewhere in here. Oh, well, first off, on May 18th, Bungie's going to be sharing uh, the first glimpse of gameplay footage, uh, probably on one of their live stream channels, as they as they do in the past. And they've also mentioned that there's going to be a beta held sometime in the summer. Uh, personally, I think that's probably going to be around E3 time. That's usually what they do. Uh, but release date itself... Did he put this anywhere in the article, or is it just in the trailer? I think it's like September 9th, I want to say, if I remember correctly. Uh, And also, they've announced it for PC as well. So that was a big thing, because Destiny never came out on PC before. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's exciting, because you know now this engine's not going to be limited by the fact that they were developing it for Xbox 360 and and PS3. So a lot of people are hoping for a lot more availability of like effects and maybe even like customized shaders, uh, that sort of well, thing. Keep hoping. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they did say that the the development tools for this new engine are much much better for the game than the first one because the first one apparently was just an absolute kludge uh, to use. But just seeing, personally, just seeing like what they did with the last expansion on Destiny, it's very promising because that last expansion I thought was fantastic. It's actually my favorite. Uh, even though I've never done the raid on it, 
But um, no, I think this is really exciting. And, and even though I haven't played Destiny for <laughs> probably like two or three months now, uh, I'm really excited for this. Uh, I'll definitely be playing it. So hopefully we'll have more. I would assume they're going to do a few more little tiny releases uh, between now and uh, and that May 18th date. But we're not going to see any gameplay until then. So just keep that in mind. Yeah. Exciting stuff, though. All right. Well, Agents of Mayhem yeah. has a date. It's going to be coming out August 15th in the USA and August 18th in Europe. Nice. Uh, this is from Volition, the people who did Saints Row, that whole series. Indeed. And it has kind of a Saints Row vibe. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> uh, they even went with the purple again. Of course. That seems to be their color. <laughs> so I will probably love this game. It looks really interesting. Um, uh, I haven't read Dave's write-up yet, but because I'm, I'm yeah. to me, it almost seems kind of Overwatchy, but uh, I'm not really sure from from the trailer. Yeah, well, it's uh, there's a there's a supervillain organization. Um, there is the agents of mayhem, which are tasked with uh, bringing them down, but the agents of mayhem aren't really good guys, right? Uh, so it's kind of bad guys and worse guys <laughs> is, is what it, uh, all plays out to be. Okay. Uh, with your typical volition, fun, crazy, wacky over the top. Yeah. I saw the disco ball pop out and everybody kind of dancing yeah. around with it. Yeah. That kind of stuff. So that should be good. Yeah. And, uh, as I mentioned, uh, Dave actually got to go out to San Francisco and check this out. And uh, we have a write-up on the website, which, yep. which is on my list of things to read today. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very in- interested. I'm, I'm kind of glad they went a different route than doing another Saints Row. It's nice when they can kind of mix it up a little bit. Well, I just, as long as it's not Saints Row with a different skin on it, exactly. essentially. Exactly. So, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, definitely. A lot of uh, release dates announced this last week. Another one being Wipeout Omega Collection, uh, which we yes. actually have some direct feed 4K video up on our uh, channel from PSX, uh, if you want to check that out. Now, that was an early version of it. That was a really early build. Uh, if you watch the new trailer, you're going to see a lot more effects already, a lot more particle effects, uh, a lot better texturing, everything. It, it definitely looks better than what we saw even back in December. Uh, for those of you that don't remember, this was announced at PSX back in December. Uh, this brings together Wipeout HD, Wipeout Fury, and Wipeout 2080, or 2048 into one collection completely remastered at uh, well, 1080p on the standard PS4, 4K on the PS4 Pro, all running at 60 frames per second. Uh, the cool thing also is that they're kind of upgrading the, the soundtrack as well with 28 licensed tracks uh, with artists... Uh, now, this... this last one excites me uh artists like swedish house mafia chemical brothers and the prodigy are we finally getting a new version of firestarter in a wipeout game because <laughs> i'll never forget that demo that came with the ps1 and nobody really knew what that song was and it was only like an instrumental version of it nobody really knew that it was uh firestarter and all of a sudden we heard the song and we're like wait that's the song from the wipeout demo so pretty badass um 
Release date's going to be... What is with MJC and not putting the release dates in the freaking article? I think it's like <laughs> June... I want to say June 7th? Something like that? And actually, he linked all of the videos that we put on our channel in here as well. So, yeah, it's it's like early June. Thanks, MJC. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, June, here we go. June 6th for thirty nine ninety nine. So I was I was one day off. Uh personally really excited for this. Can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. That's the reason I bought a PlayStation originally. Oh really? I walked into a Toys R Us. This was in my I was mad at Sega. The the Saturn was out and I knew this PlayStation thing was coming, but I was also like, Sony, what the fuck do they know about video games? Ridiculous. <laughs> you know, they make a good Walkman, but fucking video games? Come on. Um, so I didn't know what I was going to do. And I walked into a Toys R Us and there was a, there was a TV set up back there, like a stand. Yeah. And some kid was playing Wipeout and my jaw dropped. Yeah. I was looking at it like, what the f-? And he walked away and I was like, I started playing it. Two minutes into it, I was like, I'm getting this. Yep. This is what, holy shit, this is what I'm getting. This is unbelievable. It was, And that's what sold me on it. Yeah. The PlayStation was weird with me because um, that's back in the time where we were, we were still going to the CES every uh, winter and, and summer. And they, the last one we went to... They weren't officially showing the Saturn or the PlayStation yet. It was the ne- the one after the one that was our last that they actually unveiled them and everything in the U.S. And but they were already out in Japan. So Die Hard Gamer, which was a retailer in California that would do a lot of importing, and I used to buy a lot of my my Turbo Graphics imports and Genesis and Super Famicom games from them. They had a table set up, and I wish I still had this video, but I can't seem to find it. They had a booth set up, and they had the gen- or the Saturn and the PlayStation set up on these little tiny TVs, like I would say maybe 13-inch TVs. And they had like Toshinden, and they had Ridge Racer running on the PlayStation. On the Saturn, all they had was Virtual Fighter. So they had Virtual Fighter sitting next to Toshinden, which, I mean, Toshinden just blew the visuals out of the water for Virtual Fighter on the Saturn. So everybody's like, holy shit, look at this thing. And then all of a sudden they put Ridge Racer in. And I had this, well, if, you, if anybody's watched any of those YouTube channel, uh, uh, YouTube videos that I put on our channel, I had this really kick-ass Canon video camera that a lot of video cameras back then, if you pointed them at a TV screen, they would freak out. The autofocus would just go nuts. But mine used infrared uh, to actually judge the distance, and that's how it did the autofocus. So it would always focus on these things perfectly. So I sat the camera kind of on the table so it would stay pretty still. And I filmed, like, I would say a good 20, 30 minutes of Ridge Racer. And I was just freaking out because it actually picked up the sound from the TV, too. I couldn't believe it. And I remember bringing that tape back and us watching it over and over. Like, look at this game. This is amazing. And right then I knew I was going to get a PlayStation. And I got it launch day. I mean, there there was no doubt that I was going to get one of those. And... I just remember the Saturn dropping out of nowhere at Toys R Us, and you know, and and I remember see, saying like, "Well, that thing didn't look that good though," because the stuff that we saw at CES were like it didn't really look that good. And I, it took me, gosh, until the Saturn was kind of at the end of its life in the U.S. to get one. A guy that I went to school with worked at a Blockbuster Video, and they gave him their Saturn and a bunch of games. 
and he didn't want it. So he's like, do you want it? I'm like, sure. So he brought it to, to when I was in college, he brought it to school in a, in a milk crate with like all these accessories and a ton of games and he just gave it to me. And that's the Saturn I still have. <laughs> and and the Saturn, you know, in its own right was a great system. There's a lot of great games for it, but I'm just, you know, I was just hooked on the yeah. PlayStation. Yeah, well, I was just so angry at Sega at the time. Well, and rightfully so. And I had a choice. I walked in and and I'm I'm still upset that I did this, but I walked in with my Genesis and all my stuff. Yeah. And I dropped it at uh, electronics boutique. I <sighs> dropped it all on the counter. I said, "What can I get?" They said, "Well, you can get a Saturn, yeah, uh, or you can get a PlayStation and two games." I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, I'm getting the PlayStation." Yeah, because the PlayStation was a hundred bucks cheaper at launch, which is hilarious. Yep. There, yeah. There's that famous video. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, yeah. I've I've grown to like the Saturn now. And part of that was because of Mark, because uh, Mark is a big Saturn fanboy. Yeah, I do. Actually, I have a Saturn. Well, I got it at MGC years ago. Oh, that's right. It took me that long. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I I enjoy the Saturn now, and I, I have a bunch of games for it, and I'm happy with it, but there was no way I was going to buy anything Sega back then. No. I was so pissed off. Yeah, after the 32X slash Saturn debacle, I uh, yeah. Um, and you look back at like the 32x because I, I, you know, it's it's pre MGC, so I'm going through all my stuff. Like, oh, what do I want to look for? And I'm even looking at some of those games. Like, do I really want to spend money on 32x stuff right now? <laughs> you know, it, and there's a few I want. I want to get Colibri, but obviously that's like one of the most expensive games to the system. And yeah, there's there's like I think I have like four or five on the list that I really want to get. But I have. <sighs> I have a feeling I'm going to be sorely disappointed at MGC this year because I'm on such a quest for Turbo Graphics, and there were only a few there last year. And what's happening at shows like that recently is, like, a guy had a copy of Ghost Manor in the box last year, which it's an okay game. It's from ICOM, but he wanted like 750 bucks for it. This is a game I just bought for a hundred dollars like two months ago. Now I didn't get the box, but I got the case, the manual, everything else. Because I'm trying to finish out that U.S. collection. I don't care if they're complete like that. Like, I've even bought a couple games with only the cartridge, you know. But yeah. what these retailers are doing, and we saw it with that... Uh, we were talking about the podcast last year from MGC. There's that Clay Fighter that came out for the N64 that was only a Blockbuster... It was only available at Blockbuster for rental. It's like Clay Fighter 63 and a third or something like that. Um, three different booths had that game to buy and all of them had it overpriced because what they do is they think that'll bring you over to their booth they don't really want to sell it but so they're going to overprice it so they can try to sell you something else and it's so frustrating (sighs) that's garbage yeah it it pisses me off but yeah i don't know i mean i i bought a fair amount last year i didn't buy a lot this year who knows I, i don't know my expectations are low right now for the and the vendor tent just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger but the stuff I'm collecting for is the stuff that's usually the, the toughest to find, unfortunately. So, because, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't need, I still don't know what NES games I want. I do want to get some NES games eventually. But it's kind of like the Master System, too. I, I keep trying to figure out what I want for Master System, and I just can't wrap my brain around it, you know? Yeah. Because I went on the Shield TV a couple weeks ago, and... And played a few on the emulator, and I was like, "Oh, that's that's a pretty decent game. Okay, uh, we'll go look for that." You know, and 
just again making up my wanted list what i want to look for next weekend but yeah i don't know it's frustrating i'm just glad i like my ps1 it's modded because I, I have a region modded um but that's my launch day ps1 i still have and it still works if you flip it over <laughs> yeah yeah i think i sold my original ps1 wow to get the ps2 oh okay i'm pretty sure i did which uh, which wasn't that big of a deal because PS2 played PS1 games and it actually yeah and that's them. and that's why I did it because it was you know flip your PS1 over or yeah you can just play PS1 games on your PS2 and that's kind of why I sold it at the time right and that's what I was doing uh, I that, I boxed my PS1 up years ago because I could just put them in, in the PS2 yeah I still like having yeah. it though that thing is well and and the launch PS1s it's really funny because a lot of audiophiles love those. Because the audio output on those for for like high yeah. high end CDs is outstanding. It's considered one of the best players. Well, there was there are several models, right? And one was better than the others, and that was the thing. Like I eventually picked up an old PS One and uh, even a PS One, like the the little tiny one. PSO Neater. PSO Neater. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't believe. How freaking tiny it is! I know. I still need to get Gosh. one of those. It's it's barely bigger than the controller. Yeah, I mean the controller fits right on top of it. It's it's barely big enough to fit a disc into it. <laughs> essentially, it's so freaking tiny. It's amazing. It was funny. I, I wanted a PS2 Slim for a long time, and Rada sent me one a few months ago. He's like, I don't need it anymore, and he just sent it to me. I was so nice of him. I love that Slim. Yeah, I but I never needed it because my my that's tiny my launch day PS2. Again, I had it modded because I wanted it region free because I have like a lot of Japanese discs for it and I've got the hard drive in it. And it was great because I didn't really I didn't do it to pirate stuff. I did it because I would throw like MLB in and everything would load so much faster. So yeah. when it showed me who was coming up to bat the next half inning, they would just pop right up. If it was off the DVD, it would take forever and you would barely ever see the pictures. Yeah, it was just stuff like that. I'm like, well, I'm doing this, so yeah, I you know I, I just never had the need to get a slim because my PS2 runs perfectly, and same with PS1. I mean, I I, I didn't really need a, a one of the small ones because I had a PS2 and I was playing PS1 games in there anyway. So it was for me, it was more about getting other consoles that I didn't already have. You know, like other platforms. I don't want to get into the whole thing where I'm buying like eight Game Boys just because they're different colors. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't need the Pokemon uh, GBA uh, that 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 uh, that well, or the GBASP. I think it is is the Pokemon one. Yeah, I don't need that. I'd rather yeah. buy like an obscure system that I don't have already. Yeah, <laughs> which I'm running out of those. <laughs> I really want to get an Amiga CD32. I really want to get a, um, what's the other one I wanted to get? CD32. I'm trying to think of what the other one is that I really want to get. Shit. I was looking at Nuons, but man, those things, eh, I don't need it for Tempest 3000. And that's really the only thing worth having on there. Yeah. Anyway. <coughs> Sorry, I got us way off track. Yeah. All right. I'm sure I'm going to be doing this again, because that's literally... Like, any free time I've had the last week, it's just been retro game, retro game stuff. Just reading up on things. 
So, sorry. (laughs) PlayStation Plus for April. Games are out already. Uh, For the PS4, we have Drawn to Death and Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time. Which is very highly regarded, and a lot of people were complaining about that one. Uh, A lot of people love that game. So give it a chance. Well, it's free. Why not? Well, you know, after last month, this PS Plus, you know, a lot of people are kind of giving a lot of shit, and rightfully so in a couple of instances, but give the games a chance. They're they're free. Like, don't just write them off. You might find something you really like. That's what this whole yeah. thing is about. Yeah. Yeah. But Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time, I usually see a, at least a couple of live streams going on. Uh, a lot of people really like that game. Just saying. Yep. Yeah. All right. For PlayStation 3, we have Invisibles, The Lost Kingdom, uh, Alien Rage Extended Edition. That one I know and, nothing about. Uh, nothing sets Alien Rage apart from the hundreds of other first-person shooters available on the PlayStation 3. Ah, oh, there you go. That was from our review. All right. <laughs> And for the Vita, both of these Vita games are crossed by with the PS4, so you get an extra two games, essentially. Yeah. We have 10 Second Ninja X. Which or, we were just or, talking about last night, a, f- a few a few of the guys in the party, and they were really enjoying it. Or 10 Second Ninja 10. Yeah. Depending on how you want to look at it. Well, it depends it. on if you're talking about Mortal Kombat or not. Yeah. <laughs> and then Curses and Chaos. Nice. Which is another game that a lot of people like. Which is hard as balls, apparently. Yes, it is. All right. That's it. Cool. Well, um, we are up to the time that we talk. Oh, no, this last one. This We just got an email for this. We don't even have this on the website yet. Uh, and I think Josh is going to be excited for this one. So Maybe. Well, I th- for one specific <laughs> reason. Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment and Disney announced today uh, they're bringing out Cars 3 Driven to Win... Uh, for a lot of systems, including the PS4. Uh, the thing that really caught my eye, though, was that... Where's the quote here? Cars 3 Driven to Win Software, copyright 2017, Warner Brothers Entertainment, Inc., developed by Avalanche Software. Huh. So then I looked it up. <laughs> because I thought it was like, wait, I thought Disney closed them up. And they did. Avalanche Software, this is Avalanche Software in Salt Lake City. This is not the Avalanche that does like Just Cause and everything else. Yeah. Warner Brothers bought the studio in January and reopened them with the original staff. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm kind of assuming, for those that don't know, Avalanche Software, the folks among many other games, did the Disney Infinity games. Yep. This may be that driving that you like so much, Josh. It could be. It could be better. Well, yeah. I mean, you would think that they would build upon it. I mean, this is a Disney franchise or, you know, a Disney property. So I'm sure Disney wouldn't have a problem with them, you know, kind of evolving what they were doing in Disney Infinity. Oh, wait. We do have it on the website. Somebody posted it. Oh, nice. I'm looking through my email. Fuck yeah. Trying to find it. And Chaz put it up. Oh, nice. Yeah. So... All right. I didn't even get to read the initial email. Yeah, we literally just got it before we started, so. Actually, that's... I I just like that Avalanche Software, not Avalanche Studios. Right. uh, Avalanche... And I went to an event 
a Square Enix event at uh, Comic-Con, at New York Comic-Con, and Avalanche Studios was there right, showing off Just Cause 3, and two journalists came <sighs> up to them, quote-unquote journalists, while I was sitting there, and they were like, so... Are the guys that do? Do you guys do Disney Infinity too? Or are, are they here? Are you showing that off? <laughs> and they they got that look on their face. And they're like, no, that's that's a different company. It's it's uh, you know we're Avalanche too. They're Avalanche Software. <laughs> way, way to be a journalist. <laughs> they just all the time they must get that. Oh, I'm sure constantly. And they're just sick of it. And then it becomes Office Space, where when they're talking to Michael Bolton, well, why don't you change your name? I had the name before yeah. that, douchebag. Yeah. <laughs> no, this, oh, this. I mean, I, I saw this, I was like, wait. I mean, that caught my eye immediately, and it was at the very bottom of the email. I said, wait a second, what? <laughs> so that's really cool. See, yeah, I, I'm just, and I know it's Pixar, and I'm going to love it, but... I've only seen like three seconds of the trailer for Cars 3. Yeah. And I saw that there's some horrendous crash. And I'm like, I don't know about this. And that's all I saw, you know? But I'm sure I I have yet to see a bad Pixar movie. So, Well, I'll be honest. Cars is my least favorite Pixar movie. Uh, um, it, it literally is the movie Doc Hollywood. And I don't, it is, but I don't think I have a least favorite at all of any of the Pixar movies. I, I really enjoy every single, every single one of them. Well, the other problem is I don't like Owen Wilson that much and his voice just makes me cringe. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I've never actually seen cars Two. Cars Two was good. Yeah. See, and the funny thing is, like, I didn't think I was gonna like Cars because I'm not into Cars, but I freaking love the Fast and Furious franchise for some inexplicable reason. Well, it's not because you like Cars; really because they ruin cars. all those great cars. Yeah. Oh, but I really enjoy. I I I love what they did, story wise. I love what they did, you know, with the characters and everything. And yeah. Um. So I'm sure I'm gonna like this. I mean. Cars 3 I mean, looks like better to me than movies. Cars 2 did for sure. Uh just the story and everything what I've seen in the trailer so far looks cuz Cars 2 didn't interest me in the least. And then they did that spy well, a, one in the Mater thing or whatever and That's it. No, Cars 2 is a spy movie. Oh, okay. Essentially. Yeah, it didn't look that good to me. Yeah. It's cool. It's actually fun. Yeah. But yeah, whatever. But, so that that is cool. So Avalanche is back. Avalanche Software yes. is back. Yes. And awesome. It, right. It's it's crazy that news didn't really so happy about get that. out there. I mean, the news that they that the the studio was closing got out there. We talked about it on the podcast. But the yeah. fact that Warner bought them and reopened them and it's the original staff and everything never got out. As far as yeah. I could tell, I couldn't. I I never saw anything on it. So yeah, that's that's really kick ass. You, you don't hear of that happening very often, and it's it's good to see a talented group of people get a second chance. Yeah. So <clears throat> cool. Well, uh, you want to tell us what you played and watched and stuff? All right. Um, played a little more MLB Seventeen. 
a lot more Lego Batman three. <laughs> I played all the way through Lara Croft Go. Real all the way through. Yeah, Jeez. which I had never done on the iPad. <laughs> um, but Zoe was there. She wanted to see it. And she'd pick up the iPad and she'd start it on the iPad. Yeah. And she didn't really know what she was doing. And, you know, I showed her how to move. So she was moving. And then she got, you know, through the first one. And then the second one, you have enemies and you have to deal with the enemies. And she was just walking right into the enemies and getting killed. <laughs> and she'd look at me and she'd go, oh, no. <laughs> and i go, yeah, oh, no. You, you kind of messed up there. Um. But that was funny to watch. Uh, I I just I ended up playing through the whole thing. So nice, kind of cool. Short, shorter than I thought it would be. Yeah, uh, but still pretty cool. Uh, Lego Worlds. Okay, <laughs> a lot more of that, of course. And we found the greatest world ever. Yep. We went to this new planet, and you know we started to wander around. Mason went off his way. I went off my way and I wandered into the swamp area. Mm-hmm. And when there's treasure boxes buried, you'll see a yellow line going into the sky, almost like a searchlight. Okay. Well, I walk over to this place. I'm like, there, there seems to be a couple over in this direction. And I get over there. I, I come into this clearing. There are seven or eight all almost side by side in a semicircle. And I went, holy shit. (laughs) That's pretty awesome. And I dig down because you open those boxes up. They have gold bricks. They have instructions to build giant thing. Like I got castle parts. I got all kinds of crazy stuff. And when I came out, there's more all over the place. I'm like, we're never leaving this, this world. I was like, we're going to be here for a long, long time because I'm finding all kinds of crazy shit. <laughs> We're finding vehicles left and right, uh, helicopters, all kinds of boats, uh, all kinds of just driving vehicles, like a half track and everything. I was like, I was like, we're never leaving here. I, I just, this is crazy. So we spent a lot of time just digging around and messing around there and yeah. trying to find all the crazy stuff that's there. And then yesterday yeah yesterday fedex shows up and i was expecting some i was expecting uh rogue one and i'm like oh rogue one is here and i open it up and i'm like holy shit it's lego city undercover (laughs) oh nice well i figured you'd get that well i it seems to be hit and miss but well i mean you usually get that stuff though because you go to all those events yeah, I and I think that's why this one showed up because I was just at the event yeah. like a week or two. Because that's ago. why I didn't so, even I didn't even request that one because I figured with you being at the event you would just get it. Yeah, I don't know. Well, uh, but that's the thing with Warner Brothers with Lego stuff. It seems to be hit and miss. Like sure. sometimes they just show up, sometimes we never hear from them. That's true. So, yeah, very true. We never. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good so point. I was surprised, but I was really happy. I put it in. The load times are. Definitely better. Well, that's good. That was one one thing I didn't know about. That was the worst thing about the Wii U version. The load times were almost unbearable. Yeah. They were horrendous. Now, I need to go back and put in or or just 
take away, you know, move my save out of there and start a new game on the Wii U because I need to see it from the beginning. Sure. What the load time is like and then what happens after that because the initial load time on the PS4, it's it's a little long, not nearly as long as I remember the Wii U being. Sure. But after that, um, there seems to be next to nothing for load times. Nice. Like between missions and everything. So I'm very happy with that yeah. so far. Yeah. Uh, for people who don't know, and I, I mentioned this on Twitter to somebody yesterday because they were asking about it. I think it's one of the best Lego games they ever put out. And I was always kind of disappointed that it was Wii U exclusive. You'd play it. You could only play it with the game pad. Uh, they built it specifically for that. Yeah. Because you use the game pad functionality for a lot of what you're doing uh, in the game. And uh, it's a completely different experience just with a regular controller. And it's so much better. I would kind of think that. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just it's some. Well, I never had a problem with, uh, you know the the Wii U gamepad. Whereas I, was, I would, if I ever had the opportunity, I would use the Pro Controller over the gamepad. I never liked using it. Yeah, I I never had a problem with it, but for a Lego game, for this Lego game specifically, yeah. It's just so much nicer to use a regular controller. Uh, all the functionality that was on the gamepad, they moved right up to the, to the main screen. Sure. So it just overlays on top of the main screen instead of you using the gamepad screen itself. Hmm. And it works really well. It looks absolutely gorgeous. Nice. The reflections, the lighting on it so far, oh my gosh, it looks amazing. And it's a massive world. It's it's essentially a Grand Theft Auto game for Legos. And you're not the bad guy, though. You're the cop. Right. And you're a cop that uh, was run out of town because he made a big mistake. And now he's back. And the guy he put away has escaped from prison. And you're trying to track him down and get him again. But it's just a huge open world. Uh, with a ton of missions, you know, things have been changed up a little bit. Stuff they did in this game, they never did in any other Lego game. Yeah. Um, so I need to play through it some more and uh, do a proper review on it. Nice. Um, so I guess it, the it, podcast after MGC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. next week, Josh isn't coming to MGC, so uh, we're not going to be doing reviews or anything. It'll be the normal... Talking to the community on the podcast next week. Yeah. It, I mean, it's cool, too, because, number one, the game's been out for a long time in the Wii U. Number yep. two, as you said, it's a, it was a Wii U exclusive for so long. It was, well, Nintendo published it. Yeah, so this is... And that was the thing. This is a, essentially a new game for a lot of people, because only yeah. 12, and a half pe- 12 and a half million people bought a Wii U. <laughs> so. and, and 12 and a half million people did not buy the game. Exactly. So, but yeah, I mean, that was the thing. I honestly thought it was never, ever coming to any other console because Nintendo published it. But uh, like I said, I talked to one of the guys last week or whatever about it at at the WB event. And they said, yeah, we just asked. 
we said, would you be okay if we brought this to other consoles? And Nintendo was very, very open to it. That's really like, cool. Sure. Well, yeah, one of them is the Switch, though, awesome. too, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. So that and maybe that's why. Yeah, <laughs> I'm wondering maybe. Like, yeah, you know what? We need games, so yeah, if, we'll we'll <laughs> let you do it if you bring it to the Switch. <sighs> Speaking of the Switch, have you heard the latest? No. Some of them are warping. Are you serious? Yep. <laughs> what from heat? I uh, I think it might be that people are holding it like a Vita and they're wrenching on it. I'm not sure. Uh, uh, but there have been some reports, including. Or people are trying to shove it in some big ass pocket. That might be and they too. Sit yeah. on it, which it's not a good idea. But uh, yeah, there there have been multiple reports of them warping now. Mine's still fine though, and the glass screen protector that I put on mine uh, works very very well. But I also haven't literally. I, I took the switch with me to my parents' house because I, I I had to go to my house over the weekend and I have no internet or anything. And they were like, "Oh, maybe I'll if I got some spare time, maybe I'll play Zelda just sitting on the couch or something." And nah, I never touched it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although I did figure out a solution. If you do want to put it on the kickstand and play it while charging, uh, one thing you can do is if you have one of those couches that has like a pull down thing that has like drink holders and stuff, you can actually kickstand the switch over the cup holder and put the charge cable up underneath and it'll work that way <laughs> right that's just saying all right yeah <laughs> yeah well all right um and i don't know what i watched besides more oh we saw sing that you know which is from illumination it looks funny well, here's the funny thing about that. Yeah. So Lou was all excited. She really wanted to see it. She's like, oh, yeah, this looks hilarious, and it's a singing competition. Yeah, I'm all excited for it. Me, I was like, it's American Idol with animals. Well, Who but it, it's, it's more standards. The songs themselves seem to be a lot of standards, and I don't well, know. It just it seemed cute. And we We watched it, and... She didn't like it as much as she thought she would. I actually liked it a lot more than I thought I would. So low expectations, I enjoyed it. High expectations, she didn't. Well, there you go. Um, so go in with low expectations. It was a better story than I thought it was going to be. Okay. They. It wasn't just, here's our riff on American Idol, ha, ha, ha. Sure. Uh, there was a lot more. And, you know, it's illumination. And again... I don't know why, but they keep surprising me. I mean, they did Minions and Despicable Me, and yeah. I love those movies to death. Uh, I went in to, with low expectations to Secret Life of Pets and actually enjoyed it a lot. Um, I forgot to mention, Minions so, is on Netflix. I, I didn't realize it was on Netflix, so I actually have yeah. it on my list now. I'm going to try to watch it. Yeah, because if if we're downstairs or something... Um, I can always pull it up on Netflix and the kids constantly pull it up on the iPad on Netflix. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I secret life of pets was better than I thought it was going to be. I was, I was all low expectations on that and Singh had a really good story. Funny thing is like the, the main character, the koala, I I'm listening, I'm watching this and I'm like, I, I don't, who is this? I can't figure out this voice. Mm. Like, feels somewhat familiar but i couldn't place it and i couldn't quite get it like 20 minutes in i I was like fine i'll go look it up and i look it up on imdb as we're watching it was fucking matthew mcconaughey 
Yeah, I knew. I was like, holy shit! I knew he was in the movie. I didn't know what character he was. He's the main character, and I, I mean, at once I once I read that, I was like, okay, now I can kind of hear. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of it, but he changes his voice enough that if you didn't know it, it would be hard to place him. Nice. It, it was really good. Nice. And he did a great job. Like all the people who did the voices, they were all they all did a really really good job. Um story took a lot of turns I didn't expect from it. Huh. That I really didn't expect from it. I was like, "Holy, they're really doing this?" And you know, they they went places where it was just for a kids movie. I was like, "Wow, okay." Yeah, yeah. Um but it was good. It was actually better than I thought it would be. Nice. So uh, and I did watch a little bit of Rogue One last night. Yeah, I forgot to pre-order it. So I'm going to have to order it uh, when I get the well, new apartment. As, as far as I know, Target is the only place that has the 3D. No shit. Yeah. And I pre-ordered it from them because when I did, it was like 25 bucks for the 3D and you get a $5 gift card ah, on top of it. Maybe I'll run so, and pick it up today. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, so I did get that. And that's what I was expecting yesterday. I'm like, oh, here's FedEx and here's my, yay. And I went, oh, sh- oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean. It's Lego City. Yeah, but usually that stuff wouldn't come from FedEx. It would come from UPS. Yeah. Get your yeah. shit together, will you? Yeah. I don't know. I get, I get weird packages. Uh, I don't know yeah, what's Amazon doesn't have the 3D Blu-ray. Nobody does. Wow. All right. Well, Amazon didn't have didn't have it on Blu-ray at all because they're in another pissing fight with Disney. Yeah. So all the recent Disney movies have not been on Amazon. Um and so like Disney, Marvel, any of that. Right. Doctor Strange I got from some place in Vermont because they had it by far the cheapest for the 3D version. Jeez. And I went looking, I went back there looking, it was a place I'd never heard of. And I'm like, is this place legit? <laughs> and I ordered it and it showed up. So uh, I went back there looking for Rogue One and they had it at like almost full price. And I went, all right. So uh, I went to Target, found the 3D. They were the only place I could find that had 3D. Nice. Best Buy didn't have it. Uh, Amazon is doing their shit. Walmart didn't have it. So yeah, and it's like a five disc set, which is absurd. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Blu-ray, Blu-ray, 3D, DVD, digital HD. This is the way they need to do it. I'm glad that a lot more are doing it like this lately because, you know, I up until when I move into my new apartment soon, I haven't had my 3D TV for like a year and a half. You know, and I know we can watch them in in the VR headset, but I'd rather watch it on my big ass plasma. You know. Yeah. So it's nice that these been coming lately because I've had to buy two copies of a couple of movies. Well, and that's the thing. Like I am looking at a DVD copy of Wally. Yeah. On eBay. Um because if I can get it for under 5 bucks, I'll get it because when the kids go to Brooklyn, there is no Blu-ray player over there and streaming is spotty at best. Right. So I need to send DVD copies of all these movies over there, and they love Wally. And I pulled out. I was like, "Oh!" And I'm pulling out all the discs. I'm like, "Well, here's the DVD for Moana. Here's the DVD for Minions. Here's the DVD for this, for that, for that." Pull out Wally, and I'm like, "Blu-ray, Blu-ray 3D. Fuck me." 
So there was there was no DVD in that one. And I'm finding with some of these movies, I didn't realize it at the time, or I did, and I was just like, ah, it's okay, I can deal with it. Sure. I'm not, not like I'm using the DVD that much anyway, if ever. Well, now I suddenly have a need for the DVD again, <laughs> and a lot of these movies, well, not a lot, but a handful of these movies are just going Blu-ray, Blu-ray 3D. Yeah. Or just Blu-ray digital, you know? So, well, I like the I, DVDs because I st- I rip all my DVDs and I put them on my yeah. media server, and that's what I have Plex set up for. So, when yeah. I'm when I'm out and about, I can actually stream on my phone or my or my tablet if I if worse comes to worse, which I have done. Um, I don't see the need to rip my Blu-rays because that doesn't really translate very well to a a, a, a phone screen or a tablet screen. So I'm yeah. fine with them just being DVD quality. Yeah. So I'm I'm still happy the DVDs come with a lot of these. So yeah, I, I, I've been having issues with. There are some of the recent movies where you have a choice between. Well, especially with the UHD, fucking UHD. Yeah, I think that's gonna die. I, I honestly do. Well, it's funny because the Best Buy, at least here, which isn't that great of a Best Buy, they don't have any 3D Blu-rays anymore. They went all UHD. Yeah, I um, saw that. But, Ours did too. But the problem is, especially in the short term, a lot of the UHD discs that they release are just kind of remastered in 4K and they don't really add anything to them. So like the, the Bourne trilogy is a perfect example. It's literally just the Blu-ray version that they upconverted to 4K. So there's no HDR, yeah. there's no nothing. It's not re- redone from the original masters or anything. So And the pricing is ridiculous normally. Um. I get them. I buy them because a few of them have had uh, they like they don't have a 3D version of the movie, but a few of them have come with the 4K and the regular Blu-ray. So I'm like, all right, I'll I'll get that. I'll get that. You know, because again, I just don't really give a shit about 4K content right now. I it just I don't. Yeah, I would rather like given the choice, I would rather get the 4K. Yeah. 4K Blu-ray DVD, but they're not doing that. They're doing 4K Blu-ray. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then you get a digital and, version at least. Yeah. 4K Blu-ray digital. But if it was a 3D movie, um, I'm just getting the Blu-ray. And it's yeah. also price. Like I, I have like two or three 4K movies. The only reason I got them was because one, well, because they were cheaper yeah. than the Blu-ray, which explain that to me uh but they were cheaper than the blu-ray slash or just the blu-ray alone or blu-ray dvd combo you could get 4k and blu-ray for cheaper yeah and or uh like ghostbusters the new ghostbusters yeah uh was it came it came with all of the 3d yeah it was insane i was like this is fucking awesome and it was actually like maybe five dollars more, yeah, or about the same price as the three D Blu Ray, and I was like, "Well, fuck yeah, I'll I'll get the four K just yeah. to have it." Yeah. So that's the only reason I'm getting those right now. If I get them at all, like I said, I only have like two or three. But it's I don't know, yeah, and it's and don't forget, weird. folks, if you have a PSVR, you can now get three D Blu Rays and play them on PSVR. Yeah. So you don't need a 3D display, you know, like like Josh and I have. You can watch those 3D movies right in there, which is badass. It is. Yeah. 
I mean, it works well. I, I, I still prefer watching it on the plasma and everything. But uh, well, yeah, I'm it's pretty, much better on the plasma. Yeah, but, but I'm pretty impressed with how the PSVR does it. Uh, there's just a little bit of uh, kind of <sighs> halo effect around some of the edges sometimes, but that's about it. Well, there's the screen door thing on fully yeah, yeah. black scenes and things like that. Yeah. But in other places where there's a lot of black, it doesn't show up. It's it's weird. It's actually, it's actually cool, though. I was watching... Um, I don't remember which one I was watching. It might have been Ghostbusters. And I had the Astro Gaming A50s on. You know, and I've got the ear cups in right now that kind of... Uh, they don't let sound seep through very well. It's, it's, they're very sound isolating. So I had those on, and they support all the new audio formats, like even DTS and everything. And I've got the VR headset on. Man, I, I was in like my own little personal cinema. It was, it was kind of neat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's nice. <clears throat> but now the new apartment, it's funny. Um, it's The living room is humongous. Like I was walking through this place, and I'm like, what am I going to do with all this space? Because it's a two-bedroom apartment, but the living room is just immense. And I literally started measuring, and I'm like, you know, I could put my 4K display and my plasma side by side. So that might be what happens in Glenn's new apartment. Because then I could have all my 3D stuff. I could put the PS3 on that one, on the plasma. I can actually put a PS4 on the plasma, and then have the PS4 Pro on the on the 4K display. So it's going to be a nerd fest. Yeah, and then in my office, I'll have the Sony Vega with all the old consoles. So I can have my Turbo Graphics, my Super Nintendo, the Retron Five, and all that stuff all hooked up, and it'll be awesome. Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm so excited. I'm so excited I can get the steering wheel out. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. That's pretty much it. Oh, okay. Uh, so as I've mentioned, I, I've been really, really busy. Um. Had to go, so I'm moving. I start my new job on Monday in Madison, Wisconsin. I had to go out there a couple of days. I actually snuck out of my uh, my last week at my job. I snuck out uh, the Thursday before my last day and went out to Madison, looked at apartments, and I found this one. I was really stressing over it all weekend because they had. She's like, "Well, there's a couple other people want to look at it." I'm like, "No, no." I said, "I want this." So finally got a hold of me um, yesterday morning and said I got it. So I'm really happy because apartments are a pain in the ass to find in that town right now. Uh, good apartments are. Uh, so I've been dealing with all that. I haven't had a lot of time to play games. Like I, I went to my parents or I went to my house for a day and a half where I have nothing, no internet, nothing. There's a couch in the living room. That's it in that house. Um, so I, I didn't really get to play very, very many games, but I did put a lot of time in with MLB The Show 17 um, I, I it's funny, you know, when you talk about resolution, I've been playing that game on the performance mode, which is 1080p. Uh, I, I, I played it at 4K. I played all three modes. Uh, the middle mode, it's funny. It supposedly runs at a higher resolution. I think it runs at like an incremental resolution, uh, higher than 1080p. Uh, and it's good, but man, I'm loving the frame rate at 1080p on the Pro. It's insane. And it looks really good on the OG PS4 as well, because Rock... Like, he and my TVs right now are almost side-by-side, side, so I can watch when he's playing and I'm playing, and very favorable between the two. Uh, but I've been playing a ton of that. I'm still playing with my uh, character that I brought over from 16, uh, working on Road of the Show. The problem is the servers still keep going down a lot. So I've got all these credits that I want to convert to training points. Couldn't even do it last night. Uh, I kept saying, you know, lost connection with the server, lost connection with the server... 
have not tried online play yet at all. So obviously I haven't done the review yet for this. I haven't even started writing it because I'm still working on so many things, but Diamond Dynasty and online play, et cetera, have been unavailable. So I can't write it. Um, having a great time with it. We're still kind of questioning the logic at, at some points uh, in Road to the Show where Rock right now, his character is just a bomber. Like he had something like three or four games in a row where he got at least a home run, if not two home runs. And it sat him on the bench the next game. It it just it the, the, that logic has been around for years, and it's it's ancient. It needs to be up, updated. And I'm hoping, since they said that they're revamping Road to the Show completely in the next two year or the next three years, this is the first year. I'm hoping that's something they address because I've had the same thing happen to my character as well, where um, my running speed's ridiculous. For some reason, my guy is really really fast, and. Like, at one point, the manager yelled at me for stealing bases too much. And I was like, what? Even though I had a green light. So it made no sense that that was happening. And um, it's just logic stuff like that. that does it, There is no logic to it, you know? And, and we're, we're, Rock and I were talking about it quite a bit last night. And, and we're, we're going to actually do some tests uh, to see what we can make the game do. Uh, but I like the the new aspects of it where the manager comes over and talks to you or he calls you into his office and you have to actually yeah. converse with him. I like the stuff with the agent because I'm playing for the Mets right now and, and they stink. <laughs> oh, I'm, in, I'm in year 2020 right now and the Mets are just terrible. So, like, well, that's and that's... good to know. Good to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although, didn't you hear the, uh, the, the newest poll in New York City that the Mets are more popular than the Yankees? <laughs> I said, well, what do you expect? They, the Yankees treat their fans like shit. Their seats cost as much as a small car. You know, and, and there was that whole thing with John Oliver last year where the seats right behind home plate, they actually won't sell online. You have to pick them up at the stadium to make sure that somebody didn't like do a, a, a that they didn't scalp them. So last week, so those seats are always empty right behind home plate at Yankee Stadium. So John Oliver said, show up in the craziest costume and we have tickets for the next like four games. <laughs> because it was basically this elitism. They were trying to keep the unsavory people out of those seats. So these people dressed up like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in one of the games. And, and last week tonight gave them the tickets. They're like, here you go. They're a dollar. And That's funny. Oh, it was hilarious. But it's true. I mean, the Yankees, they treat their fans like shit. Even the cheap seats are expensive as hell. Yeah, I'm, the only reason the Mets are more popular than the Yankees right now, though, is because the Yankees stink. True. At the moment. True. That's the only reason. No, because- I don't think that's the only reason. I really do think that it has to do with when they got into the new stadium and how they treated people. And, and it's it, baseball is supposed to be, I mean, when baseball was in its heyday, even like around World War II and after World War II, it was a way to go and sit and have a good time outside for not very much money. And I mean, baseball in general is expensive, but the Yankees are one of the few teams that have taken that to a whole new level. Yeah. But I, I mean, I know people that are Yankees fans. If the Yankees were winning right now, they'd be there. They just don't give a shit. Well, but then they're not a true fan. Well, but that's how a lot of people are. <laughs> well, but I mean, look that's at how the, a lot of people are 30 years of mediocrity that the Packers had yet. That stadium always sold out. Yeah, but that's football. Yeah. That's not baseball. Yeah. Well, and that's a, and that's a different market. That's a very different 
very specific market well, that you don't see in a lot of other football stadiums even. But I mean, I, I won't even consider going to a Yankees game unless I get tickets from somebody because there's no way I'm paying that amount of money to go to the Yankee Stadium to see a game. I'm just not. And it, and it doesn't matter how well the, the team's doing. I'm just not going to throw away all that money to go to that stadium. It's, it's absurd. I, we looked up pricing one day and I couldn't believe it. It was like I was like, "What the fuck are we going to the Super Bowl?" It's bad. I haven't been. I haven't been in a while, but I don't remember the last game I went to was at the new stadium. Actually, the last two games I went to were at the new stadium, and I, I mean, the tickets didn't seem that much more than any other yeah. major place that I've been to. They're definitely the highest again. I've ever seen for a baseball game—a non-World Series or non-playoff baseball game. Well, then look up Boston. Well, yeah. <laughs> You'll probably find pretty much the same prices. Yeah, I know. Boston's bad, but it's it's literally, it's not as bad as Yankee Stadium. I guarantee you. I'm not the only one saying this. <laughs> there is there is a lot of talk about that. So, Oh, people are saying? <laughs> well, no, I mean, there's a lot of talk about it, even in, in the media. Like I said, uh, John yeah. Oliver did this whole thing on Last Week Tonight about it. Um. They talk about it on, I've seen it on ESPN a few times. I mean, it's not just like someone tweeting about it and bitching. It's, it's, it's a known thing. I'm not just, yeah. no, I'm not, I'm not just like fueling some internet fire. <clears throat> so anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really love what they've done with the game though so far uh, visually. Oh, another logic thing too. Uh, I play right field. Last night, I had at least four or five games, if not more, where... So when I do fielding, I only do some fielding, and it's usually supposed to be only when the ball comes to me in the right field. I had one game where the other team hit five home runs, and it went to me every time. And I'm like, why the fuck is it putting me in the field for these no-brainer home runs? And it was this nonstop. I said, is the Mets pitching this bad? And, and this is road to the show, so don't compare it to the real Mets. But I couldn't, like, even Rock was looking at me. He goes, what the shit? Why, why are you, why is it even going to you and wasting your time? It wasn't like it was at the wall and I might be able to jump and get it. It was no-brainers, top deck, everything. So, yeah, another thing I'm kind of questioning about the, the logic and some of the stuff they do in road to the show. Okay, I... Maybe things have changed with the Yankees because I just looked it up. Um, I just randomly picked like a Friday, May 12th against the Astros. I can get any tickets from $10. $10? To, yeah. What? $10 tickets all the way up to $200 tickets, which is just like any other stadium. Mm. Yep. Maybe they did something different this year. Maybe. But yeah, the it's... 10, 18, 22. Uh, where's the next one? There's a lot of $22 seats. 32. Yeah. It, you get it. Uh, and maybe it's because they suck. Maybe. Maybe they finally realized something. But, <laughs> but yeah. There, are, there were always the bleacher seats. Um, but those are not available. And these, they, I mean, they're all over the stadium. So, yeah, you can get uh, decent price seats for the Yankees. But, huh. Huh? I've been there. I would like to see a game at the Mets' new stadium. 
Yeah, I, I keep saying that, but I haven't gotten around to it. I like City Field now that they redid the outfield wall because the dimensions that it was built with were really boring. Uh, when they redid the wall and actually pulled it in a little bit, I think that makes that stadium a lot more exciting. So, uh, and that's my home field right now, obviously. So I played it in a lot, but I, I really like the new the new revamped version of City Field. It's a very pretty stadium too. Uh, I like it. I always thought it was kind of ugly. No, I, I, what, I mean, from the, the outside it looks beautiful. Inside, <laughs> I always thought it was kind of uh, ugly. No, I, I I actually like it. I like the dimensions, and uh, there's there's some really cool power alleys there. So. Um, no, I, I I enjoy it. Uh, but enough of that. I've also played, I picked up a copy of RBI 17 to see if it's uh, improved at all. It's it's a little bit better. Uh, I'm still having a lot of problems, and I'm not the only one. Uh, I'm still having a lot of problems actually seeing the baseball leave the pitcher's hand. Uh, it, it it just blends in too much. They need to make the ball a little bit bigger or something if they're going to have that, that color palette. Uh I, th- I think they need to expand some of the options a little bit more because uh, they've got an option to do either completely manual fielding or they have completely automatic. And I wish they would have something in the middle, kind of like Ken Griffey Jr. on the SNES, where uh, you would have a spot where the ball is going to go to, and, and if you get close enough, it'll snap to it. I think they need to add <laughs> an option like that. Um, but I don't know. It is what it is. I'm going to play some more of it. Uh, but it's pretty similar to the one last year. I think... Also, loading uh, times between half innings is a little much still. I'm surprised they can't keep that in memory and have it work. Uh, and then they released another Neo Geo Classic last week, so I picked it up. Uh, Sengoku, which I actually own and I forgot that I own. Uh, it's, it's, it was more close to being a launch title on the, on the Neo Geo, and it shows. Uh, it's definitely... I kind of knew that I wasn't going to enjoy it too much. Uh, it's, it's a cool game if you got a friend to play with. Uh, but it was a very early Neo Geo game, so be careful with it. Um, <laughs> but it was kind of fun to play because I haven't played that game in, gosh, probably five years. And then, uh, you know, part of PlayStation Plus, Drawn to Death came out yesterday. I, I played the beta quite a bit, and it, it never felt right to me. I didn't know what it was, but it never felt right to me. It always felt a little bit too inaccurate for, for the aiming and uh, just trying to get a beat on people. And I think that's by design. I will say, in the like three matches that I played yesterday, though, it feels a lot better uh, than than the beta ever felt. So I'm more apt to go play it again. And and the thing is, I'm not downing the game. It's just not my style of game as much. But uh, I, I did enjoy what I played yesterday. I do want to play some more of it. Uh, obviously, with MGC happening starting tomorrow, I'm not going to have too much time, but... Uh, I do want to play some more of it. So I, I know that Lady Hawk is a big fan of the game. She's been playing since the early beta. Uh, she even played in that in that contest at PSX last year or at, at 2015, not 2016. Um, so I know people out there. It's it's got a very good community built around it, and I'm hoping that it does well. Uh, since that poor game went through, you know, the whole fallout of, of free to play at Sony and and became what it needed to become and. Uh, but I, I love the art style. I love the the, the idea behind it. Uh, but I was always worried about that feel and and color me impressed so far that it, it definitely feels a lot tighter now. So I'll have more to say about that. I'm sure in the next few weeks. Last but not least, though, oh, man, I don't know how, <coughs> but I got an invite over the PSN for GT Sport Beta. 
so I installed it. It's a pretty small install, uh, like 13 gig or something. And I don't know if we can say too much about it. I can't stream it. It's funny. Like, you're not supposed to stream it. You're not supposed to post anything for it. It actually does the thing where your PSN ID is always on the screen. Hmm. All I see on YouTube is videos of it. Like, people don't give a fuck. There's live streams all the time. There are videos on YouTube. I'm seeing there's a whole screenshot thread on NeoGAF. People don't care. But obviously, we have to be a little more careful here. Uh, and, and the funny thing is the PR guy even said, he goes, oh, don't forget about the EULA. And I said, oh, like all those streams and videos on YouTube. <laughs> he never responded to me for some reason. Um, <clears throat> again, it's a beta. I get it. I, God, I wish there was more content in the beta. <laughs> so if you just want to play arcade mode, there's only one track right now. It's Brands Hatch. Uh, and then they have a sport mode, which is online. Uh, but it, it's not like you can just jump in a lobby and go. Uh, they have very specific times that you can do these online races. And what you can do, though, is you can do kind of a time trial on that track ahead of time to set a qualifying time. And then it'll use matchmaking and get you in with people that had kind of a similar qualifying time. So, <clears throat> like this morning, I got on and I played Nurburgring with uh, kind of a, a mid-range car. And it's funny because the beta gives you random cars. So everybody doesn't get the same cars when they start off. Because I saw a screenshot on NeoGAF and somebody had like a, a brand new Mustang, a Camaro, and I don't remember the other car, but it was a really kick-ass car. I get in and I get a fucking Hyundai Genesis. <laughs> yeah. and uh, But this really cool Volkswagen concept car. And I think a Scirocco, uh, a racing Scirocco, which actually is a nice car. Uh, and then what you do is... No matter where you're playing, they have what's called uh, your daily workout. So they want you to drive 26 miles a day. So they call it the marathon, obviously. So it doesn't matter if you do it in the time trials. It doesn't matter if you do it in the arcade mode. It doesn't matter if you do it in the sport mode. Once you get that 26 miles in, it unlocks a new car. And you can only do it once per day. So <clears throat> I've gotten a couple other cars. I got a f fucking Renault last night. God damn it. And it's a piece of shit. And the funny thing is, it's the Renault that, uh, what's it called? It starts with an M, but it's the one that they actually tuned for the Nurburgring. They had it on uh, Top Gear, like one of the last seasons. Uh, I did the Nurburgring in it today, and I hated it. It's so much understeer, it's not even funny. Uh, but, man, even as a beta, holy crap. It It's so solid. Like... The driving feels so good. And the funny thing is, you know, I, I did a, a full race in the Nürburgring online. And um, I said, I really want to go check Forza. And I want to I see how Forza does this. So I went into Forza 6 and I played. And I, I was all over the track. Because it's still, even though they did better in Forza 6, it still feels like you're on ice a lot of times. Like your brakes fail. At least they do for me. I don't know about everybody else. But I, I do not like how it works. And... I went back into GT and did the time trial again. I'm like, this just drives so much better. It, it drives the way you expect it to drive, which is great. I'm, I'm so happy. So uh, the HDR stuff is outstanding in GT Sport so far. And it, again, it's still a beta. Um, and I, it's funny because I know what to look for in the HDR color palette and everything now because of the sit down that I had at PSX for it. Uh, but it, man, it looks fantastic on this display. Um yeah, I'm so effing excited. And the thing is, you know, I'm playing it with the DualShock right now. But when I get to the when I get to the new apartment, 
I've always not wanted to clutter Rock's house up since I've been staying here. So I didn't want to get the wheel out because I got the wheel stand pro and everything. But that's going to be one of the first things I do with the new apartment is I'm going to get that wheel stand pro out. I'm going to get it all set up and start doing some proper racing with a full wheel with that T3, T300 from Thrustmaster. And the funny thing is, Amazon has like that warehouse site every now and then. They'll, they'll have like stuff that's been returned or whatever. I got the three pedal set up for the Thrustmaster T300. Not because I need a clutch, because I don't use automatic very much. But the pedals themselves feel better like the ones on the Logitech G29 you have. Uh, the brake pedal, especially on that G29, feels like a real brake pedal. And this this three-pedal setup for the Thrustmaster is the same thing, where they actually upgraded the feel on those. So that's why I picked it up. Uh, yeah, so I'm just... It's all I have in mind right now is like, please don't shut the beta down before I move to my new apartment, please! Because <laughs> no, my luck, I'll move in, I'll get everything set up. Oh, the beta's ended, it's not going to work anymore. Fuck you! Yeah, uh, I'm so enjoying it. I have I have put so many laps in at Brands Hatch. It's not even funny, uh, just because I'm racing a, a PlayStation Four Gran Turismo, and it's so good so far. It just feels so right. <clears throat> um, and then I, I watched a few things here and there, but really the one that stands out is I watched the finale for Legion. Um, holy shit! It was a mind bender. Not super happy about how it ended. Uh, if you did watch it and you didn't watch through the credits, they actually did a post-credits thing on, on the last episode. So uh, I think nobody realized that because they weren't doing that at the end of the other episodes. So um, uh, they actually put, FXX themselves put that post credit scene on YouTube because everybody was missing it. So it definitely sets up the next season. The, the show's already been picked up for a second season before it was even over. Uh, if you've not watched Legion yet, it's pretty cool. It, but you need some patience because there's a spot in there where there's like three episodes of nothing but set up uh, to build up to what happens in like episode seven, eight, and nine. Uh, but the payoff is really good. The payoff is really good. But at the same time, I was reading a recap every week that explained a lot of the stuff. Because I never knew of the character before. And the characters that they have in the show, I, I know nothing of them. So there were some really good recaps out there that I would check out, like on io9 and a couple other sites. Like there was a comic book site that I would read. Uh, but really cool show. Still, I think, one of the best shot shows on television right now. It's gorgeous. So check it out. And they've already said it's going to... They are definitely going to have a tie-in of some sort with the MCU at some point with this show. So it is worth watching. That means Josh has to watch it now. Well, I will, eventually. <laughs> it's good. I mean, it's only 10 episodes, or 9 episodes, I think. So it doesn't take too long to get through it. I thought they kind of wasted a couple of characters, though. But there was some, man, I think it was like episode 7 was fucking amazing. Uh, I, th- I watched it twice. Oh, and then the other thing. Do you watch Rick and Morty? Uh, yeah, but I'm a million years behind. Well, there's only two seasons. I know, and I'm a million years behind. But they did, I won't talk about what it was, but they did a really cool thing on April Fool's Day. They actually put up episode one of the third season, like, months before it's out. And it was absurdly good. It was, I've watched it three times now. Uh, It's funny because I watched it a couple times on, like, they posted on Reddit, of all places. 
and you can watch the because everybody thought it was just a tease, and all of a sudden it's like the entire episode, and they're like April Fools. Uh, but then I was watching. I was at my parents' house, and I was watching Adult Swim, and I thought that like Family Guy or something was coming on, and all of a sudden they showed that episode again. I'm like, holy shit, I can watch it again. Uh, oh, was it good? It was so good. But do yourself a favor and uh, get through season. I'm actually going to rewatch season two because there were already so many callbacks in this episode. I had to like, I, I was like, what? Oh yeah, I kind of remember that. Um, but that show is just nothing but callbacks. So yeah, I'm going to have to rewatch some of that stuff. But it was awesome. <laughs> a show that I didn't cool. care anything about even after watching a couple episodes. And then I went back to it and and, and finally appreciated it. Never forget that Mark and Nico trying to get me to watch it. I'm like, this is stupid. <laughs> but anyway, all right, let's take our break. All right. When we come back, we'll uh, talk about what's going on around PS Nation. Give you a quick MGC update, uh, and then we'll do some emails, and we'll get the hell out of here for the week. Be right back. that means folks josh gets to tell us what's going on around ps nation yeah so we have a hands-on with agents of mayhem indeed from dave we have a skyforge closed beta preview indeed from matt and then a bunch of reviews. Starting with Faded, The Silent Oath for PlayStation VR. Yeah. It's kind of an adventure game. Ray did that one. Yeah. Nordic adventure game, apparently. <laughs> uh, then we have Trove, which is a free-to-play game that Chaz wrote up. Okay. Uh, that apparently he had to write up. Uh, or his kids would have disowned him. Ah, all right. And uh, it's it seems to be in that middle space between Lego Worlds and Minecraft. There's a middle space so, between those? Yeah. Between the, well, I wouldn't say hand-holding, but the ease of use of Lego Worlds and the just the opaque nature of Minecraft. Oh, okay. Uh, this seems to sit kind of between them as a little bit easier, a little bit more accessible, I would say. And it's free to play. All right. So, uh, I've considered, uh, checking it out, but you know, we'll see. Sure. 
And it is free, so. Yeah. It's not like I'm losing anything there. Yeah. Uh, then Jason's review of Fate Extella, the Umbral Star. Nice. Has gone up. And that's an interesting one. He only reviewed the PS4 one. Uh, there is a PlayStation Vita version. Right. Which is PlayStation TV compatible and is cross-save compatible. Nice. But it is not cross-buy or anything else. Cross-save so. has even been rare lately, so that's good. Yeah. That's yeah, a nice nice little bonus there. Uh, then MJC has a review for Loot Rascals. Which is an interesting kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah. It's the people that do. Oh, what was it? Um, Wasn't yeah. it Hohoka? Adventure Time or Adventure uh, Time ads? Yeah, right. Yeah, it's the animation team that has has worked on Adventure Time. Right. Did all the animation and graphics and stuff for this, so it has a very unique, very unique kind of a look. Um, but gameplay wise, uh, you might want to read his review. Yeah. Yeah. I know he struggled a couple times. He was talking through some stuff with me. Yeah. And then rain world from our newest reviewer. Uh, and it's a lady. Yes. And she did good. It's a good she did. review. Did a very good job and we're very happy to have her. Yep. Good. First, first review. Uh, then we have Mass Effect Andromeda. Indeed. From Ray. And he liked it apparently more than most other people on the internet. You know, it's it, it's another one of those situations, in my opinion, that it's that internet mob mentality. Where somebody complains about the animations and all of a sudden it's the worst thing in the world. <laughs> you know, and... yeah. I played it for a few hours on Xbox One with the the early access thing. I didn't have a problem with it. And then you see all these people bitching and moaning, bitching and moaning, bitching and moaning. I'm like, you know, I think you're really overdoing this. So, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Well, did you see, uh, just to sidetrack, well, all right, let me just do the last one real okay. quick. Uh, Sniper Elite 4 from Emra. Oh, yeah, cool. Okay, now sidetrack for a little bit. Did you see on Twitter... <laughs> Somebody was saying, uh, I've been con- a, a reviewer. I've been contacted by a fan who is asking me to score my unscored Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wind review so that uh, it can raise the Metacritic up. Oh my God. Yeah. And then a couple other people came out and said, I've had the same thing. <laughs> people need to get over Metacritic, number one. Uh- they really need to get over it. They've got such a thing up their ass about this game being, having to be, uh, and that's why they it's shit the all over. It's the highest rated game of all time. I bet they shit all over Jim Sterling because yeah. he didn't give it the score that they wanted yeah, him to give it. I know. <laughs> that's unbelievable. People need, people need to, number one, get over how important reviews seem to be to them and play and, it yourself. Uh, yeah, and guess what? A review is somebody's feelings on the game. Yeah, personal not opinion. Not your feelings on the game, not the internet's feelings on the game. It's their feelings on the game. Yeah. Uh, my feelings on Hitman, the Hitman Agent 47. I thought it was fucking amazing. I thought it was a great video game movie. Yeah. The rest of the critics shit all over it, said it was the worst movie ever made. Wow. Uh, it's the way things go, yep. you know? 
it's my feelings. It's that person, whoever wrote it up, it's their personal take on the game. It's their experience with the game. Exactly. It doesn't have to match up with yours. It's not going to be your experience necessarily. Yeah. It's That's just funny. It, I mean, it's funny to a, to a fault because it's, it's also funny because it's so absurd and people need to get a new hobby. If they're going to get that hot and bothered about a review or a review score or the Metacritic score, how do they have any stake in this whatsoever? Yeah. Well, that's the big thing. You might be a and fan of the game of the series a- and that's fine. But, but, but literally the people are worried about the Metacritic score for Zelda are the type of people probably like the guy that sat behind us at the Wii, at the Wii U <laughs> reveal. Yeah. Seriously. Or in front of us. Yeah. Get over it, for God's sake. Yeah. It, yeah. If you think the game is great, that's all that matters. You don't need to evangelize to everybody else. If you're enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. Who, Which I guess shit, we do on the podcast, but whatever. I'm not telling people that they have to love a certain game. I'm not telling all the RPG people that you should really no. love MLB The Show. I'm telling people how much I love it, you know? Yeah. And t- take from that what you will. Yeah. <laughs> You know, if if you don't like what I like, you're not going to listen to me. Exactly, and and quite Doesn't frankly, if you listen to me, it's not for you. Yeah, yeah. It's if somebody just... has a complaint about a game that's legitimate, and they explain that that complaint, and it's like like I said, what Jim Sterling wrote about Zelda, I completely agree with his complaints, with his concerns. I completely agree. So there you go. Luckily, we're not a Nintendo Switch podcast. I'm <laughs> sure people think we are, but um, no. I mean, I, if you have legitimate concerns and you you can explain what those concerns are, I have no problem with what you have to say. Yeah. So anyway. Oh, the internet. Yeah. Yeah, the internet. Such a double-edged sword. <laughs> <laughs> The best and worst of humanity. Exactly. Sometimes in the same sentence. <laughs> All right. Is that it for around PS Nation? Yeah. All right. Uh, just a quick update on MGC, because obviously I'm leaving for it tomorrow. Uh, Thursday night, it sounds like what we're going to do is go to the New Berlin Ale House. We're going to try to get everybody there by around 5 o'clock. It's right down the street from uh, the, the Sheraton. Uh, I will put the address and everything up in the forums thread that we have set up for Thursday night. Uh, what we're going to do is go there, get started, and then I believe we're going to go downtown Milwaukee and go to the, uh, it's called the Old World Beer Hall, which is a great German beer hall. Uh, awesome food. And uh, we have a van, so if everybody wants to either just pile over to the New Berlin Ale House and meet us over there if you're if you're late, uh, or, you know, I can drive everybody from the Sheraton itself to both locations. So uh, we're going to try to meet in the lobby, you know, by around 4, 430. If you're in town later than that, just come down to meet us at the Ale House. We can always run everybody back to the Sheraton so they can leave their cars and I can drive everyone down there. Uh, Friday, uh, looks like we're going to be seeing Ghost in the Shell. I have to look up the movie times today. Uh, but we're going to be going to breakfast beforehand. And uh, we're going to be going, obviously, to the <laughs> the one and only Pancake House because it's awesome. Uh, and then we're going to leave from breakfast and go see, uh, let's see here, 
And we're going to go see Ghost in the Shell, hopefully. If uh, I'm trying to find it here. <laughs> I'll, I'll find the, the show time while we're talking about his stuff. Uh, but then after that, we're going to run over to Woodman's and get some snacks and some beverages and everything for Saturday night. Uh, and then the, like I said, pick up our wristbands. If you're going to the baseball game on Friday night, we're going to be picking up our wristbands right outside the restaurant there at the hotel. They'll have a desk set up three o'clock. We've set it up specially for everybody that's going to the baseball game. You can get all your wristbands, your shirts and everything else for the whole weekend. Um, Cause normally they don't do that until about six o'clock at night on Saturday. So, or I mean on Friday. Uh, so we've got it set up so that we can get all that stuff. So we don't have to wait in line on sun- on Saturday morning. So please get down there at three o'clock to get your wristbands, get your shirts, whatever else you need to get from registration. That'll give you enough time to take the stuff back to your room. If you'd like the bus will be at the hotel lobby at four o'clock. And we're going to try to leave hopefully around four fifteen at the latest. So see me for your ticket. Get on the bus where we sold out. All 40 tickets are gone. So, which is huge. I mean, we've always taken 25. Uh, we always worried like, are we going to have enough people or are we going to be able to sell out 25? We freaking sold out 40. Uh, it's because all those Cubs fans want to go. Well, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's it's going to be an interesting time. Luckily, well, again, double-edged sword. So our seats are on what's called Bernie's Terrace. Uh, they're way, way up by where Bernie Brewer is in his little chalet up on top. I'll give somebody a dollar if they go down the slide. <laughs> I don't know if you can set anything up to do that. We should have checked ahead of time. Uh, that was that, that was our bets at work. No matter what, we, we'd be sitting around at work and say, hmm, I'll there is no fence to jump. You have this. to go up all the stairs to get to it. And we got into some yeah, weird shit ahead. at work. Um, <laughs> all right, there you go. Josh will so, give you yeah, a this dollar. This is Lower Manhattan. Ooh. I had some guy wearing uh, so we're gonna a wig be up in, at one point <laughs> going into places downtown. Uh, he was speaking with a, a weird accent. Okay, Mortimer. Food. It was all for a dollar. What is it? We were what doing is all this? kinds of weird. Was this trading places? Oh yeah, it was fun. Shit, I do stuff like that for free. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So uh, we're we're gonna be taking the bus over. Uh, like previous years, we're not gonna be doing food uh, when we get there. Instead, uh, I'll be buying you a beverage or like popcorn or something at the game. Uh, so see me when we get there. We'll get to the. Um, to the concession stand, which is pretty cool at Miller Park now. They revamped all the concession stands this year. Uh, they spent like $20 million bucks on the stadium to, uh, to improve all that. Uh, we were at the game Monday, and it's crazy. Like, over by where we were sitting, they literally had just a humongous bar. And it was hilarious because there were so many people around it. And I said, so you yeah. paid for a ticket to come into I a do. game and stand at a bar the whole time. And watching on TV, I'm like, why don't you just do it at a regular bar and not buy a ticket to get into the stadium to do it? And then I started thinking about the first year we did the Brewer game when everybody went up to TGI Fridays and sat there the whole time doing shots. So I guess pe- that's what people like to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, see me for the ticket. But like I said, wristbands, 3 o'clock in the lot or right by the lobby there, right in front of the restaurant. Take your stuff back to your room or whatever. Bus gets there at 4. We're going to get on that bus, hopefully leave by 4.15. Uh, after the game, obviously, get back out to the bus so we can get going. We'll get everybody back to the Brookfield Sheraton, and people can do whatever they want. I'm probably going to go to bed after that game because it's Saturday and Sunday are going to be long days for Glenn. Uh, Saturday, we definitely have 
our own room for a small little get-together. We're going to have two PS4s and a Nintendo Switch hooked up because we're going to try to get eight people playing Bomberman on one screen. Um, <clears throat> so we need volunteers uh, to maybe help clean up afterward because we have to clean the room up when we're done that night because they have to use it on Sunday. Uh, I think the room number is 145, but see me at MGC so I can verify that. Uh, but we're going to be in there. We don't really have hours yet. I think we're going to start around 8 o'clock and go until whatever. Uh, it's BYO. And, and and definitely, we're not saying don't go down to the VG Evo room. We were just trying to keep beverages away from the VG Evo room. Because there's going to be so many arcade machines down there this year. Uh, and that's really the biggest reason we did this. Uh, so, you know, go on down to the VG Evo room whenever you want. We're not saying don't do it. Obviously, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sneak down there and see everybody. But we just did this to, to so that we don't have to worry about you know people accidentally spilling something on an arcade machine, uh, and also just I don't, I don't know we just decided to do it, uh, and and luckily Dan from MGC was able to offer us a room to use, so freaking awesome. Uh, but yeah, we're gonna have a couple PS4 set up. We'll have a Nintendo Switch hooked up, and it's BYO. So go grab some beer, go go grab some booze, whatever. But like I said, hopefully everybody just keep it kind of clean in there because we do have to clean it up at the end of the night, uh, which is the worst part, especially when it's like 1, 2 in the morning and you want to go to bed. So, um, But yeah, we have a private room. It sounds like it's down by the other ones, I think, where they have some of the other vendors and stuff in, in those little small rooms. By It's kind of by the doorway that goes out to the tent. So I hope we don't have to worry about uh, about noise too much either, which is good because nobody stays down in those rooms. Uh, and then Sunday, somewhere, we don't know yet, but we're going to be recording the podcast, obviously. Uh, anybody that's there, please stop by, talk on the podcast. Uh, I'll have the recorder there, and we're going to sit down and do that. I would say maybe around 1 or 2 o'clock on Sunday. So we haven't figured all that out yet. we got to figure out some logistics. Mm-hmm. But very excited. Can't wait. Uh, it's I love MGC so much. It's It's my favorite time of year. And I can't wait to see everybody. I think it's going to be awesome. So, but that's it for me. I guess mm-hmm. we can go to emails. I'm trying to look up the uh, the show times on Friday here. I totally forgot to do that because Josh got me up early this morning. Oh, shit. Guess what? We're not going to see Ghost in the Shell. It's out of theaters already. No, it's only at, <laughs> it's only at night. They don't have any morning... There's only well, there's a showing at twelve fifteen. Oof. We can go see Power Rangers. <laughs> oh, Logan's playing at ten thirty. Maybe we'll go see Logan because I know a lot of people are saying I'd rather or I, I want to see either Ghost in the Shell or Logan. So Logan's at ten thirty. I think we might be going to see Logan, which I'm all right with. I really want to see that. So there we go, folks. Maybe we'll go see Logan <laughs> or Boss Baby. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, Ghost in the Shell, the earliest show is 12.15, so that's not going to work out for us very well. All right. Well, we'll we'll take a consensus that morning. So if uh, we go see Logan at 10.30, we'll probably go to breakfast at around 8.30 at the Pancake House because you, you can't call ahead to get reservations, and a lot of times you have to wait for a table. So we try to get there a little early because it, it could take a while. But trust me, you want to go to breakfast at this place. It's the best breakfast you'll ever have in your life. It's outstanding. We'll show you the mound of bacon. The mountain of bacon. <laughs> All right. All right. Emails. On to emails. Uh, this one is from Rich Brazil, Red Fiverr. Uh, 
red R-E-D, the number five, and then I-V-E-R. So it's Red Five Iver. Uh, that's on the PSN. Uh, so he says, hey, guys, love the podcast. Appreciate your dedication. Quick question that may stray from PlayStation a bit. Okay, we're done. Next. Yeah, we're out. Uh, but how do you guys feel about downloadable game downloadable emulation? Hmm. And we're not going to get into piracy. I have I have an but, interesting take on this though because I've been thinking about this a lot lately. But this is old old stuff. We're talking like almost yeah. abandonware at this point. So, yeah, for the most part. So uh, I recently picked up a Raspberry Pi three, and after doing a fair amount of YouTube research, I now have a retro system that can potentially hold thousands of games that is the size of a pack of cards. Sure, works with my PS three DualShock controller. And includes everything from Atari Twenty Six Hundred to Nintendo DS and PS One. Yeah, getting a little gray. Uh, my inspiration was the lack of NES classic systems and some bad experiences with Retron esque newer hardware. Sure, playing old game carts. I've checked into the legality of it all, and I understand the risks, which are minimal unless you're profiting from it. Yeah. Anyway, there may be a morally gray area. Yeah, it depends. Like if you go old, yeah. way old, then I, I I don't really have a problem with it. But yeah, uh, but I figured I'd get your take since I know you're both fans of retro gaming. Thanks again for the week weekly content, Rich B. So yeah, I've had, and I don't even know where it all is. It's on an old computer that is up in the attic somewhere, and I don't even know if it still works. But I had the Stella emulator with all the Atari 2600 games on it and everything. Sure. And things like that, which was awesome to play. You know, it was really fun. Um, But it was that weird thing of, okay, now you're sitting in front of, well, for me, that weird thing, you're sitting, quote unquote, at your desk in front of your computer trying to play a game. Yeah. An Atari 2600 game with either a keyboard or at the time in the 90s some newfangled Microsoft joystick that doesn't really seem to work right with an Atari 2600 game, you know? Right. So yeah. I So I mean I've talked about this a lot with uh, when I got that Nvidia Shield TV and I specifically bought that so that I could put emulators on it. I did. Uh the funny thing is, I mean, a lot of the stuff I'm emulating, I actually own. Uh, it's just a, a lot more convenient to have it on here. But I use emulation, especially so like the example I use lately is Master System. Uh, I <laughs> So I have a Japanese Master System, so I get the better FM sound with that Yamaha sound chip that was never in the U.S. system. And then I was talking a little bit about the Retron and how you can use the power base converter in that, which I have... Like a little cartridge that somebody makes as a power base converter that works in a regular Genesis, but it doesn't play the card Master System games. There's like six or seven of them. So Retron themselves just released their own version of it, which lets you play Master System carts and cards, and it lets you play Game Gear games. So I don't know what Master System games I want, though, because... Only one of my friends growing up had it, and I barely ever played it. And I don't have that nostalgia for Master System like a lot of other people do. And I think a lot of people don't in the U.S. It, it didn't do well in the U.S. So I have all the ROMs that I know of for the Master System, and I have them on the, on the Shield. 
and I was going in to play them specifically to figure out what cartridges I wanted to look for at MGC. Where, personally, where I draw the line, though, is if I emulate, for example, a Master System games, or a Master System game, am I taking money out of that company's pocket? Yeah. I'm not. They don't make the cartridges anymore. They don't offer the game in any way anymore. And sometimes this is the only way to get that game. A perfect example is Magical Chase for the TurboGrafx, the U.S. version of it, even the Japanese version. Magical Chase is one of the rarest U.S. titles for TurboGrafx, and it's ridiculous. Uh, people on eBay are asking like five grand for it, which is absurd. It is one of my favorite cutem ups of all time. I have the Japanese version, but in a rare instance, they actually changed the visuals in the, in the U.S. version of the game in, in the first level. So it's kind of cool to have both of them. I would love to have Magical Chase. That's, you know, that's, that's going to be the one game that I don't have for my U.S. collection forever, probably. Unless, somebody, unless some angel falls from heaven and, and gets me a good deal on it. Uh, in that case, as an example, I have no problem with somebody emulating it. I don't. Because it's impossible to find. The company doesn't exist anymore. And, yeah, I mean, technically, Konami, since Konami bought Hudson Soft, technically, Konami owns the rights to it, but they're never going to use it. They've, they've already proven that. So, I don't have a problem with that, morally, or I don't think from a legal standpoint. I think, legally, there is still that gray area, but I just don't see that as being a problem. Now, <clears throat> Rich here mentioned PS1 games. That's different. Because a lot of those games are downloadable on PSN, and they're still a stakeholder in that game. But like a lot of the stuff on the NES, a lot of the stuff in the Master System, a lot of the stuff, especially like 2600, you know, 5200, uh, like really obscure systems, I don't have a problem with it. And quite frankly, I actively emulate a lot of that stuff. Um, again, it's not to try to be some kind of a pirate. It's more yar. about yar. It's more about having those games to play because that's at the end of the day that's what these games are all about. It's to play them. That's why I've I've always been kind of weird about like when I'm buying the US TurboGrafx games because I'm still trying to build that US collection. You know, you see people out there asking way more money because it's quote unquote sealed, which is bullshit. I very highly doubt that some of these games are factory sealed. You know, I worked in electronics boutique. I worked at a KB Toys. We had a shrink wrap machine in the back. I became an expert at that. I could seal that thing up exactly how it came out of the factory. So don't for a minute try to per- perpetrate that, you know, oh yeah, this is factory seal. Bullshit. Fuck you. Especially when it's a really rare game. <clears throat> um, I'm not that kind of person. I just want that collection to be f- complete. I'm not worried about that every single one of them is pristine and in its original box. And that, that's just, a, that, that's lunacy. I collect games because I like playing games. And I mean, I know I'm different than some other people. There are some people out there that just want to do the collection and have this really pretty thing, but that's not why I do it. So personally, in terms of emulation, I'm probably a little more forgiving about it, but, but also there is a very definite line between emulation of that old, old stuff and piracy. 
if a brand new game comes out and you all of a sudden find a way to get a free code for it, you know, from one of those fr- free code sites or whatever, that's piracy. That's stealing from the developers. But when it's a 20-year-old game that's not in print anymore, the company doesn't even exist anymore in, in some instances like Coleco or somebody, it's not. Because you're not taking money out of anybody's pocket at that point besides some reseller. Well, fuck those people because they've overpriced it anyway. Because they looked at eBay, oh, somebody else has got a price to five grand. I'm just going to price it to five grand. So that's my take on it. Uh, and also, emulation fascinates me. I mean, the one that's really big right now is uh, it's called Simu. It's a Wii U emulator that is getting a lot of press because uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild actually works on that emulator really well right out of the gate. And that's piracy, though. I mean, there there are people that were pirated in that game. They had it like a week before it came out in the, in the stores. And but that one gets a lot of of press right now because let's face it, a lot of people don't want to buy a Wii U, and this is a great opportunity for them to play some of those Wii U games like Smash Brothers, etc. Uh, so the technology is there, but I don't back it at all because there's still a stakeholder in that. The NES, though, they don't manufacture NES games anymore. If they don't do it on virtual console, I really don't have a problem with it. If it is offered on virtual console, yeah, then I then I probably have a problem with you grabbing it. So that's all. I don't know. I'm sure I'm wrong by the letter of the law or the letter of whatever. I'm sure I'm wrong, but that's how I feel about it. Also, I love my PSP with all the emulators on it because I love taking my TurboGrafx games on the road with me. <laughs> <laughs> and my Neo Geo games. My Neo Geo is another one that, yeah, they've been releasing a lot of a lot of my PSN and on Switch and everything. But until they release Viewpoint, you know, <laughs> God damn it! Uh, it's cool that Hamster's doing this, but they really need to stop being so weirdly picky about what titles are going to bring out. If they're going to bring out nothing but fighting games. Well, guess what? I'm going to emulate Viewpoint when I want to play it, and Polestar and Blazing Star and. I'm really happy they did Turf Masters, though, so that shows some promise. But, <clears throat> anyway. All right, thanks, Rich. Thanks for getting me off on a rant. Yeah. Oh, my Good God. Job. Oh, wait. What? Oh, this is something different. Uh, there's number two. Okay. Number two from Brian. Hi, Brian. Uh, he says, a question you probably don't know the answer to. All right, well, we're not going to bother. <laughs> yeah. uh, the PS3 will no, soon no longer be supported. I have a 1.5 terabyte drive. I'm out of space and have to delete games. Will Sony ever have the PS3 support external hard drives so all the digital games I've bought and the free PS Plus games will be saved on my external hard drive? Otherwise, there are many games I will lose digital access to at some point. Is there a reason Sony never updated the PS3 to support external hard drives? Thanks. Uh, No, it will not. Because the PS3 can't do adequate encryption for an external external drive, and also transfer speed is too low on on the USB ports on that. So no, it will not. There's your answer. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it does suck, and hopefully... Hopefully, when they start thinking about taking the digital entitlements down for PS3 games, they have an alternate solution like we've talked about with PlayStation Now or something, where you can get to all your digital stuff on PlayStation Now. But who knows? It's it's a it's legitimate fear. And, I, and Josh got some shit on the forums this week about 
uh, Mr. Physical copies talking about how much he loves digital now. <laughs> but, and, and it's funny because it's, I've been buying a lot more physical copies lately, and I'm I'm having those fears about digital copies a lot more lately. But that's the thing. Like I'm not I'm not going full digital. I'm right. just saying for the first time in my life, I fully understand and see the appeal yeah. to getting digital. I'm still, if the physical is available, I'm still going to get the physical first and then maybe pick up the digital when it's cheaper. Yeah. But, you know, I was always annoyed to a certain extent. I mean, you know, when we get a review copy, it's free, so I can't be that annoyed. <laughs> um, but we'd get a review copy and it was digital. And I'd be like, oh, 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 all right, <laughs> damn. And I would eventually pick up the physical when it was cheap. Yeah. You know, because I'm like, well, I have it, but I still want that physical copy. Now I fully, well, PlayStation VR was another reason that digital suddenly seemed appealing. Yeah. Well, that that's actually, I think, the the best argument for it. Yeah. Because having that headset on and if you want to bounce from game to game, you have to take the headset or lift the headset up, go over, switch the game out and then put it back on and go. If they're all digital, you just go right into the into the menu and just pop in a, you know, a different game digitally. It's very simple to do. Yeah. So I, you know, I understand now, finally, I never got it. I was like, why would you bother? Why, you know, and everybody was like, well, I don't like getting up and changing the disc. I'm like, are you that fucking lazy that you don't want to walk two feet to your TV and switch a disc out? Come on. When you, when you sit on the, when you sit on the little couch that I sit on at rocks, that with my old ass body is so hard to even stand up. Yeah, I don't want to go switch the disc though. <laughs> but that was the thing. I was like, is that worth it for when they pull the plug on these servers and you can't access that digital game anymore and your hard drive has crashed? I was like, no fucking way. So yeah, physical is my way to be. But I fully finally understand the appeal of digital. And I yeah. like having digital. For the kids especially. I mean, it's it's... Well, for the kids, for the movies, you know, it's, and even with those, it took me a long time to enter all the codes that I had for all the digital versions of movies. Um, but, you know, having an Apple TV, now it suddenly makes sense uh, because I can access everything right on the TV. Right. Uh, for the games having an external hard drive that can hold every single game I ever bought. Suddenly it makes sense having digital. Yeah. Uh, it never did because I could never fit everything. I was always running out of hard drive space and it just wasn't worth it. You know, I'd, I'd have half the stuff to like my PS three right now. Yeah. My PS three. And one of them, everything crashed and I had to reload everything, which is a nightmare on PS three. I never did. You know, I have a 1.5 terabyte hard drive in there and I never reloaded everything because yeah. it is such a freaking nightmare to do it. And because I don't know how to pick and choose what should go on there and what should not yeah. at this point. So, yeah. And I mean, for me, the additional <coughs> ambitions to go digital is the fact that I move around so much. You know, I've got a PS4 at my parents' house. I've got one here at Rock's. Uh, I've got the one that I keep in the games briefcase. So 
it's easier for me to keep them all digital, especially with the new external hard drive thing, because I would always forget, like if I would go to my parents for the weekend and we wanted to play like Battlefield 1, I would forget the disc. And that really screwed me over so many times that I just finally ended up, it was on sale one time and I picked it up digitally. So I bought it twice because I wanted that digital copy. The thing is, I'm like you though, I really want physical copies of games. So like I bought the um, Limited Run Games just offered up, um, uh, what the hell is it? Uh, Hyperlight Drifter as a physical copy. They only did like 9,000 copies of them. I think there's some still available. But I bought the limited edition from Ape, or I Am 8-Bit where, or Limited Run where it was like a SNES box and everything. It's really awesome. But it came with a code. But I really wanted that physical copy because it came with a map and it came with all this other cool shit in the case. Yeah. So I, you know, luckily I, I've got a career that allows me to spend stupid money and, you know, be an idiot with my money. And like buy these games twice, but at the same time, I like having that physical copy of it because now that I'll be in my own place again, I can put up the shelving and I can have all those games there. And I just, I like having that tangible media in my hand from time to time, you know, instead of looking at a screen and saying, well, what do I own? But the digital copy in terms of convenience for me, and I'm not saying this applies to everybody. It probably doesn't apply to that many people at all. But the phys- actually having the digital version loaded on these PS4s, I mean, like MGC, I'm taking two PS4s. Well, one of them is going to be running off the external hard drive, but I need to load up my other PS4 with a lot of games so that we have stuff to play for the get-together on Saturday night. And I'm not going to bring a shitload of discs. Yeah. So it's really, really convenient to have all that shit right on the PS4. You know? Oh, that reminds me. All right, so now here's an issue. Uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to see my brother and my nephew and niece and everything this weekend. And, uh, it's my nephew's birthday and they're getting him a PS4. Nice. So I thought, oh, I'll just grab my hard drive, bring my hard drive down. I can just, you know, throw the games on there and we can play some games and all that. Yeah. I don't want to do that now because what I've realized is if I do that, when I leave, Oh, it's going to add all the icons? All those icons are yeah. all over there, and they can't touch them. So now there's like 400 icons available to him that he cannot touch. Well, actually, if you log in as, as a guest and put your PSN info in as a guest, then when you log off that machine, it deletes all your stuff. So don't add your account as a permanent account. There's a guest login yeah. that allows you to temporarily log in. So that when you're done, all that stuff should delete. Should? <laughs> I haven't tried it, but it's that's what it's supposed to do. Okay, so I could it, it, actually bring it deleted the hard drive. Yeah, it deleted everything before the hard drive thing. That's why I'm saying that's your best bet. Okay. Because I, I really don't want to do that and fuck up his brand new PS4. That's easy you enough. Know, to, yeah, I mean, it's easy with, enough to get rid of. It's just some work, but... Uh, if you, if, but don't yeah. add your account as a, as another account to that PS4. Do login as guest and then put your PSN ID in and your password, and it, it's only session based. So, okay. and then just before you log out of it, disconnect the USB drive. You know, do the I don't want to use extended storage yeah. anymore. Once you log out, it's supposed to delete all your stuff. So anything that was in there under your account should be deleted. All right. So you know what I'll do first. I will. 
well, it might not work the same, but I will just log in as a guest, do that. I'll download a game. Oh, it definitely does that. Out. No, it'll yeah. definitely do that because I've done it before. It'll delete that game. See, I wonder if it's different, though, with a hard drive. I, I haven't tried it. I don't know. Yeah. But every, I mean, I've, I, I even read somebody say that it, it's supposed to do that, but I haven't read anybody saying, yep, it does it. Uh, but, but I guarantee you, if you log in as a guest and put your PSN ID and everything in and you download a game, it will delete it when you're done because I've done it. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. All right. Or you decide. just, or you just don't take the hard drive. You go there and you download whatever you download, want to. It and, yeah, exactly. But then you got to wait for everything other. to download and if their internet sucks, you're kind of boned or if the PSN well, decides to take a shit that day. Well, even with having to wait for everything to download if i plug in the hard drive we have to wait like a half hour for it to index everything and make it all available <laughs> well that's because you're you're a storage whore well and you decided to download everything off the psn to it yeah yeah but that's what we're talking about here is yeah. downloading everything off the psn and that was kind of the idea of having this big external hard drive that you could have everything right and not worry about. <laughs> There's some stuff that I have on the PSN that I will never need on my PS4. So. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean there there is like the the older uh, the older sports games yeah. I don't need. Although um, I still have 16 on my PS4, just so I can compare with 17. But yeah, and and that's what I do. You know, when a when a new sports game comes out, I'll pull up the old one just to you know compare. Yeah. When I when I do a review, and that was part of the save thing. Uh, that the old saves were on there. Well, I, I put all the games in, uh, I pulled all the saves because all of them I had physical. Yeah. I did this the other day, all the old sports games, pulled all the saves down, moved them to another hard drive and it freed up about a gig of space. And then it immediately tried to upload all the saves that it couldn't upload before which uh-huh. were like Lego worlds and whatever else. And it immediately filled right back up to 10 gigs. <laughs> so yeah, that really didn't help that much. <laughs> <laughs> so Sony needs to do something about that soon, please. <laughs> Who knows? We'll see. Yeah. Cool. Well, there's your answer. No, it won't work, won't work on the PS3. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. I mean, it does, but at the same time, they, I'm pretty damn sure at some point they're going to do something with PS Now. I just I have that feeling. If they don't, I think it's I think it's silly because the technology's there. They should easily be able to handle uh, the entitlements that way. Uh, Microsoft's doing it. You know why yeah. can't Sony do it? So yeah, I don't know. I hope they do something because quite frankly, I wouldn't mind boxing my ps3 up just to save space and save some stress on it but also at the same time i have my ps3 here so i can also play ps2 games and until they get more ps2 games on ps4 it's totally worth it for me to keep this thing hooked up so all right are we done yep all right let's get the hell out of here uh again next week folks the podcast will be straight from mgc midwest gaming classic 17 uh, hopefully we'll see a bunch of you there. Uh, can't wait to meet everybody. I know we have some new people coming, which is going to be awesome. Get to meet some new people. Um, but please, you know, find me, say hi. I'll try to have a PS nation shirt on a couple days. So you know who I am. Um, I got my haircut, so nobody's going to recognize me. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> 
but yeah, can't wait to meet everybody. It's it's going to be a blast. Uh, and so Josh gets the week off because he's a lazy bastard. Yeah. And uh, you know, then the week after we'll go back to the regularly scheduled program. Uh, but uh, thanks to everybody for listening every week. Get out to play some games. Have a great one. We'll talk to you soon. Digital buy. Which means there's nothing there because it, it disappeared. <laughs> it's in the cloud. Yes. Right. I want my cloud in your cloud. I quit smoking pot over two years ago. Yeah. No, you're right. That was fucking stupid. I'm back so hard. Oh my god. Oh yeah. Came back to weed with a vengeance. So now I'm back buying comedy clubs, hanging out with strangers, smoking whatever random shit they hand me. Super safe, right? I almost find it insulting that I've never woken up in a stranger's van going, what the fuck? No one wants to rape me, is that what you're telling me? Not one person in all of North America wants to rape me. I did that joke in Portland, and as soon as I said not one person wants to rape me, a bunch of people in the audience went, ah, That's such a fucking Portland response. A bunch of sweet hippies up there. They're like, oh, come on, you guys, as Oregonians, we should step up and show this guy some Portland spirit and take this fat bear behind a building and make that shit happen. 503 in the hizzy. Traveling with weed sucks. I've spoken about that before. I don't travel with weed because I would get super paranoid. I mean, I talk about what a freak I am. Oh, my God, when I'm full of weed, high as fuck, and I'm going through TSA, and I'm just sweating, herb, just ugh. And I've got a sack under my sack. And that tank no good. Oh my god, somebody really likes puns. I love that. You with the crazy laugh, you're gonna enjoy. I've hidden a couple more puns in my act, and um, by hidden, eh, I mean, I become Yosemite Sam when I make a pun. I fucking love wordplay so much, I wanna shoot fucking holes in the ceiling. Like, <laughs> fun with words. So they'll be easy to find. Even the dum-dums will figure out when I made a pun. I got busted, or oh, I almost got busted, when I wasn't even carrying. I flew into Calgary, but here's the story. I was super, super high. Oh, my God, and I was sweating so much weed, and I got high with a bunch of strangers in North Carolina. And then I get on a plane, and I fly into Calgary, Canada, fucking high out of my skull. Yeah, it's a place. And... Uh, <laughs> super super high and I gotta go through customs and I make it through the first level of customs second level of customs it's the two customs officers and the dog yeah here's two things about me I love animals and I'm fucking stupid cause my natural reaction to seeing that drug dog was to go hey pretty girl how are we doing today the dog's like you fucking idiot you just made my job super, super easy. You fucking giant stoner. And the dog does this. Walks up. 
and sits at my feet. Right? Which is how they let their trainers know. They're like, you're high, or you have weed, or you're a Muslim. And, uh... <laughs> yeah, I didn't know about the politically incorrect doggy training going at the Calgary airport. I just thought it was the most fucking adorable thing I'd seen all week. I'm like, who's making friends today? We are! <laughs> Who likes ear rubs? Everybody. <laughs> That's right, all the doggies in doggy land love to have their ears rubbed because it makes their foot go crazy. And the dog's like, dude, seriously, shut the fuck up. <laughs> you are blowing it super, super hard, dude. <laughs> and the dog was right. Apparently, I was fucking blowing it. Because the two dudes take me away from my new friend. And I'm like, where are we going? She's pretty. They bring me into another room that none of you want to go into at the Calgary airport. Because in that room, in my experience, is the meanest lady I've ever met in my life. Yeah, mean lady at the Calgary airport was all fucking business. She goes through my bags, makes me take off my clothes... Not the first time I've been nude in front of a mean lady. It's kind of a recurring theme. A lot of disappointment when this dude nudes up. And the two dudes start to leave me, and that's when I panic. I'm like, what's going on, fellas? Why am I in here in the first place? And the guy goes, well, sir, the dog indicated you. And at the time, I was still fucking high, so I'm like, well, all right. That makes sense, I guess. But in retrospect, I'm pretty fucking sure I indicated myself. Because you know who tries to hug drug dogs? People on drugs! My buddy in L.A. is a pot dealer. He's been my dealer for a long time and a good friend of mine. And he's super excited about weed being legal everywhere. He's like, it's going to be awesome, dude, when it's legal everywhere. And I'm like, not for you. Because think about it. You'll never use a dealer again when you don't fucking have to. When you can go to Costco and buy in bulk. Right? You're not going to sit on some dude's shitty couch in his gross apartment and hear him talk about his fucking obsidian collection ever again. Because if you've ever bought weed from a dude, and I have, you know you got to hang out in your dealer's house and hear about his boring-ass hobby he just picked up. Hey, brother, just found out I'm 172nd Cherokee, so I started collecting arrowheads. <laughs> wow, brother, I just found out I'm three-quarters. I fucking hate you. Let me go. Tell your girlfriend she doesn't have to hide in your bedroom when I come over. I'm not buying guns, you fucking weirdos. 